Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. With me always is Jason. What is up, man? Happy New Year, Brian. January yes, Happy 1st. New Year. It is. Yeah. We, yeah, we made it. We made it through 2021. Yeah. What's 2022 going to bring? What kind of horrors are we going to face? It's just going to be continuation. Here's what I thought. So everybody going into 2021 was very optimistic because you heard the stuff about the vaccines and all mm-hmm. that, you know. And then I, I think our problem was we were a little too optimistic. We got slapped back to reality mm-hmm. in 21. So moving moving into 2022, I think we're less optimistic, but we're going to be surprised to the good by the time this year is over what do you think yeah that's optimistic i can go with that yeah i, I can even think that might happen i'm fingers crossed I hope so <laughs> i hope so because we'd like to hit some weekend things i mean we just saw the um lineup was just released for the redneck raft out and it is awesome filled with some of our favorite bands of, of the podcast yes indeed. with uh, Buck Cherry, right? Go ahead. Read, read, right. read the list. Read the list. You got it. Okay, so I'm going to start from the bottom. And I, I'm assuming this is like the, well, it's September 3rd and 4th, 1 to 5 p.m., obviously 2022. And Travis Bond and the Rebel Souls. Um, I don't know if, I haven't, I haven't looked, Googled this. I may have before in the past. I'm not sure. Jive Mother Mary, the Chitlins, the Chitlins I've seen a video of, um, Cody Parks and the Dirty South. Now, I think Cody Parks is also a solo artist that Lissa, I think she follows him. Uh, Magnolia Bio, Stone Senate. That's nice. pretty cool. Yeah, we like those guys. That's, that's a good band. Stone Senate, Them Dirty Roses, and Buck Cherry is headlining. Got a bigger name yeah. this year. That's a pretty darn good lineup. And, you know, we haven't spoken to Clint, the dudes in Stone Senate in a while. We'd, let's see what they're up to. I think they probably, hopefully, have a new album coming out. Yeah. Uh, uh Mojo's got a new single coming out, I think, this week coming up. Yep. Um, I don't know, man. It's the beginning of the year. I'm hoping there's going to be all sorts of good stuff that's going on. Uh, I'm looking at – new. so on Facebook and online, you can follow up something called New Classic Rock in North America and they just put their end of the year Spotify playlist up and mm-hmm. a lot of our buddies are in that Brian yeah. we've got Blacktop Mojo has made the list Cold Stairs Jack's Hollow Jane Lee Hooker um Stone Stone Senate is on the list um Joyous Wolf is on the list then Dirty Roses like I think almost every band we had on the podcast last year made that class new classic rock and uh, North America Spotify playlist so that's good. We seem to be a little bit in tune with what's going on sort of in the mainstream rock rock arena. What list is that again from? It is New Classic Rock in North America. Okay. Now you said Blacktop Mojo? Blacktop Mojo. I've heard that. Mojo we... Thunder is on it. Oh, are they? Okay. Mm-hmm. Naked Gypsy Queens right. on it. Um, I think we'll be talking else? to those guys pretty soon. Naked Gypsy I think friends. so. Yeah, I know that's one of the, the bands we've had, like Carrie Gates and a lot of the, the people recommend to us to check out on there. And just the Dead Daisies are on it. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, or the sorry, the Dead Deads. I always get the Dead Deads and the da- Dead Daisies confused. I don't know why. Because right, right. our friend Daisy Dead from the Dead Deads. And like, I just right. throw all those together. So 
it's pretty outstanding. Pretty Re- Reckless is on there, which we spoke, you know, I spoke about that album about this time last year because it was pretty darn good. So, I know, I know I've listened to Blacktop Mojo. Um, I'm not, uh, well, I'm familiar with them, but I haven't they're listened more of to a, a lot of um, it. Heavier. They're, yeah, they're more of a Blackstone Cherry sound. So they're more rock okay. with some Southern right rock influences, but they're really good. I mean, they're definitely a Harbor Edge band, but uh, I kind of like their stuff. Mm-hmm. So all sorts of dirty honeys on there, Dorothy. Um, I don't know uh, Greta Van Fleet, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I like Greta Van Fleet. Um, Babylon Shakes made it really on there. Yeah, our buddies in Babylon Shakes. Awesome. So check it out. It's huge. It's huge, and uh, there are probably a lot of bands on there that I don't know the name of that we could check out to see if mm-hmm. they might be good to join us on the podcast. Oh, for sure. So. Uh... Lately, I've been uh, going back and rediscovering the second Cry of Love record, uh, Diamonds and Debris. I was pleased to find that uh, video um, from you 97. Shared on Facebook, yeah. Yeah. You on Facebook and I had page. never seen that before. It just, it just coincidentally had come up. That's cool to watch that. I had never seen that before. Now, do you prefer the first album or the second album? I prefer the first album. I mean, I mm-hmm. think there's good stuff on the second album, but, you know. Um, I prefer Kelly Holland, the first singer, a little bit more. Um, but not nothing to complain on on uh, the second record. Oh no, no, for sure. I'm kind of with you. I like both albums, but I think the first one speaks to me a little bit more. You know, I, I like the singer a little mm-hmm. bit better. But uh, it was one of those good um, North Carolina bands, Brian. You know, and, and there's actually some good stuff that's come out of North Carolina. For sure. It is coming out of North Carolina. We had uh, the dudes from uh, uh, Fox. What was it? Whiskey um, Fox. Whiskey's Fox. Who are no longer a band, but they're doing their separate stuff. They came out of North Carolina. And we're going to have a discussion a little bit today about North Carolina rock music, aren't we? Yeah. Well, right before we get into that, um, did you see Carrie posted last night too? Um, uh, um, Kiss Kiss Bang opened for the Josephines. Yes. And I'd seen, you know, I've seen like their video and stuff for Kiss Kiss Bang. But I, I don't know. Did you watch that? Because, I mean, their vocals sound like freaking King oh, great. X, man. Oh, it, like, awesome. Wow. Yeah. It, it, and I saw somebody did put that, like uh, somebody said Doug Panecker from King's X. Well, maybe that was you. And I, you know, when, when I heard read that comment, heard it, I'm like, yeah, it does sound like it. And oh, by the way, um, Kiss Kiss Bang is on this new classic rock in North America year in 21 playlist by the way right on <laughs> as i'm looking at it right here i'm like every everybody's on it but they're great i know that's been another band that's been thrown at us to have them on the podcast and mm-hmm. I, I mean that's a 2020 goal for us indeed for sure so getting back to north carolina of course uh you know um cry of love is from there um with that badass guitar player oddly free oddly spoken yeah. about many times on this podcast and oddly if you listen to this please come on and that's and that really that he is pretty much the feature in that band. I mean, especially that that video from you know last night or the night before, whenever I found it, it's like a lot of oddly soloing. Oh man, well, know? I mean, that's why he was in the band. That's the type of music that came out. I think that album came out a couple of years earlier. They would have had a little bit different career trajectory than what they did. I think mean, came out came out in a rough patch there in terms with alternative music and not that style mm-hmm. really being predominant. Right. Yeah, but no, uh, uh, Cry Love Brothers, just a, a great, great, great record. Um, 
but anyway, uh, that also leads us into, uh, you know, somebody else, great band from North Carolina. And we finally, you know, got to have the full episode with him. And that's Jive Mother Mary. And also, you know, from Jive Mother Mary, we talked to Mason Keck and he is the dude. And so I'm just calling him the dude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, he was great. You know, he's a singer, guitar player, one of the guitar players in the band. And he he is a good conversation because he knows a lot of things about a lot of subjects. And I think as you guys get in this episode, you'll hear our, 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 our kind of discussions went went in a lot of different directions. That was very cool because, um, once again, it was another podcast that I had to be like in my head, like, like, are we in a podcast? You know, it's like, it's just like, we're just <laughs> shooting, talking, the shit. shooting the shit about whatever, which is, I guess that's what we do. So well, that's, that's kind of our angles. Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> it's sure. Not hard hitting journalism. It's yeah. like just getting to have conversations with people. Right. All right. You guys, uh, you're going to enjoy this. Um, whether you're too hungover to move or if you're a professional and you're, you're getting ready for round two here, whatever, um before you head out or as you're having a few or if you're mobile and can't move uh you're gonna dig this conversation uh with uh um mason keck our friend and yours from jive mother mary guest segment of the podcast and you guys know i always throw i always throw it over to jason to tell you guys who we have with us this week thank you brian it is my pleasure to welcome on the show a two-time returner although i was not here last time he was on it was a show right before mine brian my debut as we found out but is mason keck from the band jive mother mary how you doing mason doing well man it's good to see you guys nice so, to see uh, what- you What's going on? Where are you? You're in North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. Just been doing the family thing, you know, the last few days for the holidays. And um, actually, I just was in the studio um, the last three days with my good buddy, Drew Faust. Um, played some guitar and, and helped arrange and do some background vocals on his new record. Right on. Um, yeah, we, we, yeah, Jive backed him on his uh, his last record. So it was cool to, it's one of my, my longtime friends, one of my longest buds. So it's cool to, cool to get to, to record with him sometimes. Well, you come from kind of a, in North Carolina has had a, a pretty good scene, you know, um, of course, going back to Cry of Love and, uh, you know, there's been a few other bands around. Can you talk about like that scene and your area and all that history from there? Yeah, you know, North Carolina's got some cool stuff that's happened for years, you know, I mean, and all over the map as well. Um, uh, so I'm kind of, I guess, maybe the biggest town. I'm, I'm from a small town called Graham, North Carolina. 
And probably the biggest town that people would recognize nearby would be Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. um, which like UNC Chapel Hill, the yep. Tar Heels, uh, Michael Jordan. Um, but yeah, James Taylor was from there. He's probably, I would say, as far as musician and, and closest to me, James Taylor is probably the biggest thing that this area has put out, which is cool too, you know, because I'm, it's not rock or Southern rock, but what an absolute badass, you know? Mm. But yeah, you know, the, the stuff that grabbed me from North Carolina um, was your cry of loves and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I love that type stuff. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of regional bands from North Carolina that were huge back in the day, bands like Nantucket and stuff like that. You know, I don't, have you guys heard of Nantucket? No, I have not. Oh man, check out Nantucket. They, um, I think they were based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, okay. but they, they opened up on the, uh, on the highway to hell tour. Oh, really? And, um, really? Yeah. yeah. Had, had a couple, you would probably recognize maybe a couple of their songs. They had a, uh, a song called heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. Okay. You, and it was uh, actually Budweiser used it for an ad. It was Budweiser. <laughs> you are the king of beers. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm talking like I knew it. apparently it was in the eighties. Yeah. I've just, I've this again, this is stuff that I've heard a million times, you know, but before I was born, but, uh, but yeah, man, there's really cool stuff all over North Carolina. Um, a lot of blues music, you know, the Piedmont blues is based in this mm-hmm. area and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. There's rock music, blues music, folk music. Um, yeah, it's, it's all over the map and it's, it's, it's cool that it's kind of right here in, in, in this area at hand. Is that Warren Haynes living in North Carolina now, like Asheville or something? You know, I don't know that he lives in North Carolina, but he is from Asheville. He sure is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, you know, he's one of those North Carolina legends. Oh, um, music legend. Some, yeah, yeah. And somebody that had a huge impact on me when I was young. My dad likes to joke around. He uh, he used to try to, to tell me and Fluff, the drummer in the band, we used to always just talk about Government Mule. And we'd always give him give him a hard time about how long the songs were, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you know, like uh, you know, we just thought it was, and it, it became just a thing to just to chide him over, just to to give him a hard time about, you know, um, but he finally took us to see Government Mule. I don't know, we were probably thirteen or something like that, and Jesus, man, you know, it's like talking about life changing, you know. <laughs> was Woody in the band at that time, or did he passed already? No, I never got to see them um, with Alan Woody. I did yeah. see them with Andy Hess. Yeah. Um, with Andy Hess was on bass and Danny Lewis yep. had just joined the band. Um, and, you know, it was cool also to see them with Andy because I was a huge Black Crows fan. Yeah, I was going to say he played with mm-hmm. Crows, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a brief stint. I don't know how, how brief. long he yeah. played with yeah. Crows. But, but, yeah, it was cool. It was cool to, you know, to see somebody that had played with, with a band that I'd really loved even if it wasn't the original member or whatever you know it was like oh he played with the crows so these guys got to be good right oh shit yeah and, and you know i'm trying to remember man okay so the first time i saw i saw government mule at the millennium center in um was it, it the was millennium or the millennium millennium right <laughs> yeah 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 um grace potter opened i'm pretty sure oh that was the first yeah time I saw mule. so they absolutely um, did a show they did a song together at the end then Yes, I you know I, I cannot Gold remember Dust what Woman. it was. It <laughs> maybe was Gold Dust Woman. Um, yeah, but that, you know I've seen I've seen Mule probably oh shoot man eight or ten times, um, which which is is nothing compared to some people. You know, there's people out there that seen Mule 
right, freaking right. 500 times. You know? Well, your drummer, you said Fluff, your drummer, right? It took you to go see him or you went to see him with him. But Matt Apps is a badass on the drums, man. He's amazing. Oh, dude, what, a, what an incredible damn drummer he is. Uh, you know, I got to meet Matt once. Um, so a, a buddy of mine, Greg Germino, who is like an incredible amp builder. He's built amps for everybody from Jimmy Herring to Charlie from Blackberry Smoke plays one. And uh, Danny Lewis from, from Government Mule plays uh, one of his Fender Basman colognes. And I got to go backstage and hang out with those guys for a little bit. And uh, the band, all, three, three out of four of the guys that are in Jive right now, we lived in Los Angeles um, together for a little while. And Matt Apps, I got in a conversation with Matt Apps, and we actually lived like, not at the same time, but we 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 had lived basically like a block or two blocks apart from each other. So that was pretty cool, you know. Right on, right on. There was a, we, we had a, some guys uh, from the band Whiskey Foxtrot on, mm -hmm. and they're no longer together. And those guys are from, I can't remember exactly where in North Carolina. Were they Greenville? Yeah. Uh, um, no, they're from, I think those dudes are maybe from more, I guess, Greensboro, you would say. Greensboro. I knew uh, it had Greensboro. Yeah, Greensboro is probably uh, it's about thirty minutes from where I'm from. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Those dudes are those dudes. Um, Sam and I Seth. You're right. Sam and Seth. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I think you're. I don't think they're playing together anymore. But I think they're both kind of doing their own thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've played we've played some shows with those guys. Are you familiar Hot with a band music. called Rebelwood Mission? No, I've not heard of those guys. Okay, they're from there. Okay, I have to check them out. Revelwood Mission. Okay. Yeah, you know what? And I found them because, like, I just I'll just go on Google. I'll Google, you know, whatever I did, like Charlotte music scene, and they came up like they're from Charlotte. And okay, yeah, yeah, cool you know, stuff. So Charlotte, it's funny, man, because Charlotte's one of those cities that a lot of people kind of well, I say a lot of people. I shouldn't speak for a lot of people, but I kind of always forget about Charlotte. But I mean, it's it's the biggest city in North Carolina, and it's a it's just a big city in general. I mean, I think mm -hmm. there's like almost at this point maybe two million people almost in Charlotte. <laughs> But, you know, there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Charlotte. Um, great venues and, yeah, just kind of more of a big city vibe than a lot of places in North Carolina. The Queen City. Does so Charlotte have a, a local music scene? Sorry, Brian. No, go ahead. Um, you know, I can't really speak to, uh, to as much for that. There's some really cool venues there, some historic yeah. venues. Um, you know, there's a place that um, a lot of really cool folks play, that, like um, do acoustic residencies and stuff, at, like the Evening Muse, um, Neighborhood Theater. I've seen a lot of really cool shows in Charlotte. Um, you know, we, it's actually, again, it's funny, I guess as a North Carolina band in recent years, we haven't played too much in Charlotte or just in North Carolina in general, really as much as you'd think we would. Um, but again, there's, there's some really pockets, the Noda district, the Northern arts district, um, really cool stuff going on there. Great places to see music and, you know, just a good nightlife. So I, I know we talked about this a little bit when you were on for the for the first Throttle Fest, but you just kind of want to like give us a you know a brief kind of like how you got started in music and then how that you know at what point did Jive Mother Mary come together and the early yeah days. sure man so um so I've, I've I mean I guess I started singing before I played guitar you know just naturally kind of used to love to sing. Um, and I, my dad got me a guitar for, for my birthday, for Christmas, when I was like five or six, I would say. Wow. Um, and, you know, he, he had played. That's, that's kind of, you know, I had a big influence on that. Um, 
and a lot of his his buds and just people that my mom and dad you know hung out with and people that i you know that were in my life when i was younger a lot of those people played music or were around music or you know that was a huge part of their lives so of course when i was young it was around and um like i mean i can like i said i can remember singing from a, a young age um i I, I, like I said, I got a guitar when I was five or six, but I didn't really take to it the first couple of years. You know, it was, it was, it was cool, but it was just too much for my attention span at the time, I guess, you know. Um, but my dad started playing in a cover band. Again, he, he, he hadn't played music in years and he started playing again when I was about nine in this, in this like Southern rock cover band. Um, and not necessarily just Southern rock, but a lot of, you know, Leonard Skinner, Almond Brothers, uh, stuff like Johnny Winter, and they do Stones tunes and and all sorts of stuff. Um, but that's when I really kind of fell in love, I guess, or, or first started noticing how much the the music bug bit me. Um, and that's you know, I started basically how it got going was once they were playing, they play once a week at my dad's house, and I would just take my guitar out that I'd gotten a few years back and I would just kind of copy what they were doing. And luckily also everybody there was uh, one really receptive to me hanging out. You know, they never like shoot me out. They're like, get out of here, you damn kid. You know, there was none of that. It was, they were, they were all super cool about it. And, and I think, I, you know, I think they were just probably, probably thought it was, was pretty cool that I really took an interest and in, and was watching what they were doing. And, you know, also the other good thing, that I'm thankful for now was that everybody that was in the room were good musicians, you know, they, they knew what they were doing. So it was cool to have in my inception of wanting to play music or, or, or starting to play music. It was really cool that everybody that kind of was there helping me knew what they were doing, you know, that's kind of invaluable. And, you know, I, I played for a few years. I mean, it just, man, it, it really grabbed me playing guitar. I, I, I played sports and stuff a lot when mm -hmm. I was younger, you know, but I was never good at them. Um, you know, I never just, I wasn't like the, I wasn't a very fast kid. I was a big kid when I was young, you know, so guitar was something that I took to pretty quickly um, and just completely fell in love with, you know, um, and spent a lot of time at a young age, just kind of just glued to it. And I met Fluff, our drummer, man, I was probably 12 or 13. Um, we met and at the time he was, he was kind of trying to learn how to play guitar and, you know, we'd, we'd mess around and, and play guitar and, and, you know, I'd show him a riff or whatever, you know, like I said, we become, we became really, really fast friends, but kind of, I guess how the band got started. Um, we'd be hanging out at my dad's house and, since my dad's band rehearsed at the house, there was a drum kit that just stayed set up in there. And Fluff kind of, you know, at some point mentioned that when he was younger, he had taken drum lessons from his neighbor. And when he started playing drums, man, it was just like natural, you know, he just, I mean, he was, it was very obvious that he needed to play drums, you know? Um, and like I said, we were probably maybe 12, you know, 12, 13 when that kind of started. And we started the band as a three piece, we, um, our buddy Nathan played bass, a guy that I went to elementary school with, and then he went to the middle school that Fluff went to. So we both knew him, you know, and we, for years were maybe, I guess maybe three years almost, you know, we played as a three piece. We basically started when we were like 14 years old 
Um, I think we played our first gig in June of 2006. And, uh, yeah, me, me and Fluff have been, have been, you know, doing it ever since. And, you know, a few lineup changes, um, right now we're a four piece, you know, we were a three piece, like I said, for the first few years. And then out of high school, we like briefly did a thing with, uh, a friend of ours named William Earl Mace, a guy who's a little bit older than us, but one of the best singers I've ever heard. And we can, you know, talk about that later if you want, but that's kind of where I really got the singing bug. Obviously I had sang for years before that, but that was when I really, he, you know, whether he did it on purpose or not, showed me a, a lot of, of what to do with, with a voice in rock and roll, you know? And then after, after, you know, we did that for a few months and then, we kind of wanted to kick the jive thing back up. I mean, we, we, I don't know that I would ever really say that it was, you know, just a couple months. We, we kind of had this brief period of doing that. And then in that time, Schultz who plays guitar with us now, Tyler Schultz, the other guitar player in the band, he's been with us for shoot man, 11 years now at this point, he, uh, he moved back up from Florida. We had gone to school with him when we were younger and he moved away to Florida and moved back up. And, um, and when he came back up, you know, we started jamming. And at that point, our, our friend Will Sanders also got involved and was playing bass with us. And that's the lineup that that went out to L.A. Okay. Um, and and at and Athens, you know, we, we all we were we were that lineup for a solid probably six to seven years, I would say six years. Um, and, yeah, once we moved back up towards this way, um, our friend Keith Ingalls started playing bass. And that was really cool because Keith was somebody that we had grown up around he's he's you know a couple years older than us but we were always watching Keith's bands you know like he was he was one of the guys that was playing around town when we were first really getting getting to know ourselves on the instrument and like oh like man let's play rock and roll you know he was one of the dudes that was that, that we were watching you know so it, it's it's been cool to have all my buds in the band kind of since the inception you know so I'd like to get a deeper dive on that LA experience you know that's always an exciting thing when you hear about people going out there you know so if you could like spend a little more time on that that'd be great man yeah so so we went to musicians institute out there okay um which was cool um it was a great experience as far as networking and stuff i mean whether the the school had didn't have much of an impact on our rock and roll band to be honest um they I, I think the thing with the school was they were kind of more, it was kind of more of a situation where like, say if you wanted to go play with say so-and-so needed a guitar player, they were training you to, uh, to, to be able to step in and do that. Um, but they didn't really know what to do with a rock band. We were kind of this like formulated thing that we already had in mind. We kind of knew what we wanted to do, you know, and it was like, they're like, well, it's not really what, it's not really how we do this, you know? So that was kind of a strange thing, but some invaluable lessons we did learn out there and just incredible stuff. You know, I got to like, I got to audition for Slash's band when I was wow. like 19. And yeah, dude, I mean, just like meeting friends that obviously we still have today. Well, how and, does that happen? Was that through the Institute? I mean, how do you get an opportunity to audition with Slash? You know, I really don't, I really don't know. Um, they um i i was 
I had, had been in, in talks with Jude Gold, who was well, also pretty cool. Jude was used to be the, at like the, I guess you wouldn't call it the executive producer. I'm, I'm blanking on the word right now, but he was kind of editor in chief, I guess, of, of Guitar Player Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. and, and maybe I'm misquoting his title, but he was, he was very high up in Guitar Player Magazine, which I had read for ages when I was younger. You know, that was the Bible when I was a young kid, you know. Um, but Jude was the head of the guitar program for the first year or so that I was at the school. And for some reason, they decided, I guess, to, to extend this offer to me to do that. And um, it was pretty cool, man. It was kind of a, it was a very much a learning process, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm very glad I got to do it. It was, it was, but it was, it was an interesting thing because again, I was like 19 and first off you had to sign a waiver when you walked in that said you were 21 because all these, <laughs> all the tours were, you know, sponsored sure. by alcohol companies and this and that and that and this. And, you know, um, so yeah, I'm 21. Sure. Figure that out later. If, if, if it comes down to that, you know, if you're a good but, enough uh, guitar player. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, that was kind of what I was thinking, you know, and it, it's funny because it's like, it plays out just like everything you, you know, you think you like, you get there and there's like other dudes auditioning that you recognize, you know, the people <laughs> that I, you know, and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, I didn't, I didn't have a car. I just borrowed my, I borrowed my buddy, uh, my buddy Ricardo, my roommate, I borrowed his car and, and drove over there. And, you know, actually it's funny. I actually, somebody that I met at that audition, we played a gig this past September and I had not seen the guy at that one time and we played a gig with his band, but that aside, you know, a side note there. That's cool, but, man. Uh, Connections. Yeah. 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 But, um, but yeah, you know, like I said, it was a really strange thing because I, I, I recognized some of these dudes that I was <laughs> competing against, you guess you would say, I mean, that's what it was. You well, know, if you're an uh, avid reader, guitar player magazine, I'm sure you saw some yeah. dudes in there. And, you know, it even it was like I found out afterwards, like Jude Gold shows up, like he, he pulls up in his car and hops in the room. And I'm like, wait a fucking minute. What's going on here? You well, know, who were you <laughs> auditioning in front of? Like, who, who were like the people rating you, judging you? So that was the that was the that was kind of the strange thing. And I don't know exactly. I've heard different different things about this. But um, so I never got to meet Slash, probably probably for the best, because. I probably, I don't know what the fuck I'd have done, honestly, if I'd have walked <laughs> in the room and slashed there, you know, it either went one of two ways. I would have gotten the audition or he'd have been like, do you play guitar? <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, we auditioned in front of, I believe it was his wife and then um, the, the rhythm section for the band. Okay. Um, who were super nice dudes. Uh, and it's funny. It, they they kind of it was really helpful to me being young like that they really helped to break the ice um like i i specifically remember i had a, i had a frank zappa for president shirt on and the bass player was like i almost wore that shirt today you know so immediately i'm like okay this is you know this is cool you know cool um but all all the typical stuff i guess that you would think from your first audition like that you know i i get out there and they're like you know, these, these kids come in here at 25 or 27 and they think they know what's up. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm 19 years old over here. Like, don't, don't let these people know how old you are, you know? And, um, and then of course, when it finally does come time for my audition, 
I brought my pedal board and all that. And you go over there and I plug it in. And whether it's nerves, you know, I mean, thinking back on it, who knows? I could have been nervous as hell and plug my cables in backwards. But <laughs> I plug everything in and, and I get no sound. So, you know, what do you do? You know, you walk over to the Marshall half stack and you plug straight in. You just turn it all the way up, you know. And like I said, you know, we did, I think we did two songs and, you know, they just thanked me, thank me for coming out and jamming. And, and I obviously I didn't get the gig. And I, uh, I think, you know, I don't think anybody there got the gig. I think they ended up going with somebody that Slash had known for years. <laughs> um, but it, I heard after the fact, and they did film a few things. I heard that Slash's wife, and I don't know if she's if he's still married to her or what, but I'd, I'd heard at yes. the time that she was maybe trying to pitch a reality show, hmm. um, which that was like the the height of your flavor 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 of love and your rock of love, rock love, everything of love, all that you know. Real and world. like I I remember it. I remember I and especially probably in L.A. I had this heavy Southern accent, you know, and. Uh, and I remembered like them stopping the tape and the guy was like, Oh man, this is going to be awesome. You know, like I remembered like, and I'm like, it's going to be awesome for what, you know, like, but there's like the, the best part of that, you know, the, the funniest thing now looking back, it's like they, there, you can look on guitar world, I think. Um, and there's like little shorts about that. There's those still up on, on the guitar player or guitar world magazine uh, website. And they, they did the little headshots for, for everybody and their little, huh. you know, their little talking heads. And for some reason, I think, like I said, again, I guess it's just nerves, man, you know, and, and just, just, just talk. I, I have a bad habit of just, when I get nervous, I'll just talk until someone's like, Hey man, stop. <laughs> um, but every single, every single thing, I swear to God, I say the F word in every sentence. And like, you know, my dad's like, Oh, showing your grandma the, uh, the video of you auditioning for slash and you know she thought it was cool but she said your language could have been you know a little <laughs> but uh but yeah dude yeah like i said you know so that was that was amazing about being out there in la like obviously stuff like that you're not going to get to do anywhere else you know right and uh and i was thankful that they entrusted me enough to do that i think i was maybe the only maybe the only guitar player from the school that had they got to do that and that was really like i said you know it was it was pretty pretty cool but you know i knew i i i knew that if i could just at least play the songs and get through the through the audition then i was doing all right you know at that time like i said i was obviously you want the gig but i knew that i knew that at the very least it was going to be a really cool experience i guess so that had to have been the time too after Snake slash the Snake Pit and before he does all his work with Miles Kennedy when he's doing some of the solo albums. Well, that was actually so it would have been 2011 or okay. 12. Hey. So Miles Kennedy was involved. They had they had just released a the song I remember that we had to do off the that record was called Back to Cali. I'm going. Okay. Yeah. I'm found, gonna, i can remember the riff <laughs> it's burning my head at this point but um but yeah man like i said you know like how else would i get to do something like that you know 
and you're a Black Crows guy, so now you have some connections with them because Mark Ford tried out for Guns N' Roses or was thinking about it, and then Gorman also jammed with Slash at one point when yeah. they were trying to do the right before Velvet Revolver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there is something weird about that about the Mark Ford. He had he got asked to audition for Guns N' Roses or something like that. There is something. Mm-hmm. like that um and i i can't remember i don't know all the guns and roses lore 100 percent, but it would have fit it would have been weird I, you know it, it's funny i think now that you mentioned that mark ford and slash kind of served the same role in those mm-hmm. bands you know what i mean um the kind of very you know lean back head to the sky les paul slung low you know cigarette smoke in your face type you know they, they kind of serve the same role in those bands so it probably would have been cool for a jam session but i don't know if he would have fit in i think he made the right choice for the black crows for a lot of reasons he might have died being in guns yeah. and roses well man yeah he probably had a, a tough go in the crows too you know those he guys did were, yeah. he had a heroin addiction but i would imagine the guns and roses atmosphere is worse than black crows well wasn't yeah, that right I, after izzy left and then slash had called mark and that's right after Mark had got the gig with the Crows and the Slash told him, well, that's probably a better gig for you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Cool for Slash for, for being up front with him like that and, and being understanding, you know? And it's pretty crazy. That's, you know, that's that's good decision-making on Mark's part, too. Um, I mean, because, Jesus, man, those the records, the Mark, the, the Mark Ford era of Black oh, Crows, geez. is just like, that's my, that's my bread and butter. I mean, that's like really... I would say that record is the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion record. The second record the Crows did is probably what got me and Fluff starting a band. Um, You know, I was really into all sorts of stuff, all sorts of music. We both were. But when we both heard that record, it just like it clicked. And like we were like, oh, okay, this is this is freaking cool. You know, this is this is something. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I joke around like I swear that I wore a CD out of that. You know, they say you oh, can't, yeah. <laughs> can't physically wear a CD out, but I think I played the music off of it. I swear. After a while, the laser just etches grooves in it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, have you, have you seen the, the documentary Who Killed That Bird? Have you seen yeah, it? Oh, yeah. heck yeah. Yeah. I've got yeah, it on man. DVD. Yeah, yeah, it's great. What a, what a cool documentary. What a cool insight and <laughs> all that. You know, I wish they would do more of that. I think there was a rumor when they were going to do the 25th anniversary tour when they were trying to get all that together and f- fell through. They were going to actually have a documentary crew out with them and do a documentary of the whole thing. And that would have been wonderful. But these guys have a way of just con- shooting themselves in the foot of like their best business interests, it's, it, it seems like. Man, yeah, you know, it's I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, it's it sucks. I just want to hear them as much as I can. And they're and they're in their original form because it's i mean if, if somebody held a gun to my head and said what's your favorite band black crows that's it oh. you know um did you see them any on the 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 newest tour the third i did i saw them in cincinnati i saw them in, like a couple a week into the the reunion it was great man yeah i caught um i caught the actually caught the tour opener in nashville oh nice and uh and then i saw them in raleigh saw them twice in this tour both god man just freaking incredible shows but yeah I didn't, you know i stumbled into the uh to the 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 opener the op- tour opener i really was not expecting oh, dirty that. honey I was, yeah well um yeah they're great yeah yeah but i just meant the opening show i i, I oh, didn't even gotcha. get a chance to go i just kind of it was 
I was in Nashville with some friends and um, we stopped at this random, random restaurant to just grab a quick bite to eat. And I look up and these people who own a venue in Illinois that uh, Jive plays pretty regularly were sitting there. <laughs> and it turns out they had uh, they had four tickets to see us uh, third row tickets Rough. to see the Crows. And um, the guy who produced our last record, Jay, Jay Took, who played with the Steelwoods for a while, he and I took the other tickets and man, yeah, what a show opener, you know, I mean, they, they, I think they opened, they opened the show the same way every time with the jukebox and all that, you know. And the umbrella, did that, were you surprised by the umbrella, how'd that play off with nobody? You know, it's, it's funny because I knew, you know, I I was, I think I was just for a minute, I was like a 13 year old, 12 year old kid again, because I knew that Chris was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it just made sense that that was what was going to happen. But when he freaking pulled that umbrella away <laughs> and they kicked in the down, I don't know, you know, oh man, I freaking, yeah, it was, I lost my mind. <laughs> Brian and I have some friends. We're friends with the guys that run Save America, which is a Black Crows podcast. And there's a group of us, we have a, a family and, one of the one of the family were there uh, at, at that show, and he was sending us video clips and video clips to our our messenger chat, and I was, it was just amazing, just amazing. The energy was incredible too. That's right. Yeah. You could get that through the video of how the crowd much how much the crowd was into it, the band was into it, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm glad they're back out there. I don't care, you know, who's in the band. That's fine. Uh, you yeah, got Spin, you, know, you got the brothers, you know, right? I think I think. Um... Obviously, I would want to see them with Mark Ford, or I mm-hmm. caught them with Luther, and I also yeah. saw them with Paul Stacy. Oh, I saw them I with never, Paul Stacy. Yep. I never caught them with uh, Jackie Green. I don't believe that's right. the last time I um, saw them. Yeah, I saw them with but, Jackie um, a couple times. I saw them with Oddly a couple times, and he oh, that man, was see, incredible. There, Oddly, Oddly oh. is 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 number one to me, oh, man. I mean, we, we named the, we named the band after a Cry of Love song, so well, kind of, but. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, I mean, I think I think the fact that they didn't have Steve and Mark in the band maybe in a roundabout way helped them out because when they came out there with that tour opener, they were all playing like they had something to prove. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, you know how Black Crows fans are and, and me yep. included, you know, like <laughs> very judging a lot, you know, like Steve, where's Steve, where's Mark? You know, fuck this, you know, and, <laughs> and man, they came out, they came out the swinging they did and i think i think that they you know i think they wanted to you know wanted to say hey you know they picked good musicians they picked good musicians to play with them man yeah and you know like freaking bless those dudes because that's a tough role to fill i mean i would not want to you know fill mark's shoes or audley's or or any of those guys. And the cool thing about it is though, Isaiah, I can't remember what his last name is. Oh, Isaiah Mitchell. He can play. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You know, and, and he has this Mark Ford esque thing, but it was different. And, um, and obviously those dudes know how to pick a good guitar player and he, he fit right in and, and still did his own thing, but, but paid a good tribute to, you know, what it needed to be also, I think at the same time. And, uh, Peter Griffin was the drummer. I remember yep. that because the Ryan family Griffin. guy. Ryan, Ryan Griffin. Griffin. <laughs> Ryan Griffin. Peter Ryan from Griffin. the family I guy. I don't remember his parents. Yeah. Griffin. Um, but yeah, man, you know, I mean, 
he I, I wasn't familiar with him but he did a great job and you know i mean the drum tones and everything were spot but he had on. the toughest shoes to fill in my opinion because they've gone through other guitar players other keyboard players they've always pretty much had gorman except for a small sliver of time i think in 15 so me and the you know oh yeah man that's like pressure that's like changing the engine and the transmission in your car yeah. you know it's like you know all of a sudden yeah you know i mean that's he is he is the driving force of that band. Your He's a fan favorite, is. right? Everybody, all the fans all love Gorman. Yeah, man. And, you know, I mean, for good reason, you know, he's just, God, he's a machine, man. You know, I mean, that, that the whole, the whole, the old adage about a band is only as good as their drummer is, it's more than 100%. Power, true. you know, he had the power, like the Bonham-esque power and just drive those yeah. songs. But again, I think everybody, all the, all the dudes, keyboards, guitar drums held themselves up admirably and you know as i saw more stuff as the tour went on especially towards the end you could really see those guys coming into their own and being confident absolutely so, so enough about the black rose podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah so your Stay next stop was yeah. uh, athens and, and what what was athens like when you guys got there and how long were you there and, and what you learned from that man we were in a in a just in athens honestly for a brief period um, a little bit less than two years and it was a great town. Um, we really maybe, I guess, you know, that's where we became a unit. I would say is in Athens. We, we had just, we bought this old, not bought, bought I wish we rented an old, uh, farmhouse and, um, each of us had a bedroom and then the extra bedroom we set up in and we would rehearse five days a week. Um, try to do it at 10. Sometimes we didn't wake up at 10, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, we, 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 that's where we put in the hours and really, and really learned how to play off of each other, you know? Um, and like I said, we stayed there for not too long, a little bit under two years, pretty brief period. It was a cool town, but it's a college town. And, um, what we did wasn't exactly, you know, too big there as far as like, you know, like classic rock, Southern rock oriented stuff just really was not on the menu around town, I guess, at that time. And also it just, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't able to really make any money doing the thing there because it's a college bar, you know, every, everybody. Cover bands. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, there would be college, college bands that would come in to play for a, a case of beer and whatever because their friends were in town you know and like obviously that's cool but you know we were we were being lazy musicians we needed that that 300 to help pay for rent for this month <laughs> you, you didn't know? do the dave matthews man round and just play like fraternities and stuff what <laughs> would you say no uh, no um no nah, Speaking man, of virginia you know, isn't he from virginia like where, what's this virginia he thing? is a virginia guy i think um is Ben yeah, Folds you know, from we, North Carolina, though? Wasn't didn't he I'm go sorry? to Ben Folds? Isn't he North Carolina? Ben Folds, I think, is from Chapel Hill. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, not far down the road. He's got a brother named Chuck too that's still around town. And um, yeah, you know, actually, Ben Folds came to Musicians Institute while we were out there. So that my was wife loves cool. him. That's like her favorite. Yeah, what a what a what a cool musician and a great songwriter. You know, he's unique. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, you know, we did some frat gigs and stuff while we were down there, but we had a lot of fun. But and like I said, kind of really came together as a band there, I would say. But it just. It didn't make sense financially or really logistically to, to do that. We found ourselves kind of playing more on the East Coast and stuff. 
And this area was just, you know, five hours closer. So we probably moved back up here sometime 2014 or 15. I'm terrible with dates, to be honest. But So when, does, when did uh, um, All Fall Down come out? That was your first record, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So me and Fluff, we, um, we actually, we released an EP and that's not online. Um, if, if you got a copy of it, you just got a copy of it, I guess. Uh, I still only have, there's only like 10 copies of it left that I have. So I, we've never put it online, um, but it was also done with John Custer and, uh, we released all fall down in 2009, I believe. Um, we were, we were prior to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Right before. Yeah. We were like juniors or seniors in high school. Okay. Wow. Um, Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you, dude. Thank you. Yeah. We did that record with John Custer who's worked with like corrosion and conformity and he did the cry of love records. That's where we found him, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's worked with a million, million great artists, but, uh, but yeah, we did that record. Our first record came out or, or EP, I think it was 2007. And then 2009, um, yeah, we, we put out All Fall Down. And then um, that was those those were the two projects we did as a three piece. And both of those were with John. And then we we, you know, we, we kind of got caught up doing the school thing for about two years there. And we actually recorded some stuff while we were out there in L.A. at a studio called Blue Forest Studios and did some stuff in our apartment. And um, our bassist, Will Sanders at the time, who was playing bass with us, he actually mixed the next EP we did, which was a, a couple years later, um, which was we called Big City Blues. Mm-hmm. I try to we I always I guess it probably confuses people. And I'm probably the only one that gets the joke, but I always thought it was really strange and cool that Led Zeppelin put out an album called Houses of the Holy and didn't have a song on it called that. And Houses of the Holy was on physical graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. So and so we released Big City Blues. And the plan was Big City Blues. The next record was going to have the song Big City Blues on it, um, which is on our new record, actually. Um, but we recorded it back then, you know, a few years back, and we just were not happy with the version that we that we got. So we didn't end up putting it on the next record. But the record, the next record is called Home is Where the Heart Is, which is a song on the next record. So I see what you're doing here. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess... I guess so. You're going to have a song called Eight Tracks on your next album that you do. You know, as we're sitting here talking, I'm realizing that I guess I'm going to have to write have that to, song. Um, yeah, you know, I can I'm, I can already see the imagery: eight tracks, t uh, tops, transams, mag wheels. It's it's already writing itself, you know. But as long as Brian and I get co-writing credits, there you go. That's why. Hey, look, you know what? Uh, if 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 you guys want to do an extended podcast, we'll just write it live, right? Let's do it. I'll just grab it. <laughs> Listen, man, Brian's got a bass. I got a guitar. Grab what you got. Let's do it. Oh shoot, man! Look, and we'll have a recorded version of it too. Right? <laughs> so that led to your next uh, your full length. Uh, was it uh, the Long Odds? Is your first full length record? Second, um, second, second full length. So we. Um, we did the EP in 2007 and in 2009 we did the long odds. Um, and then the next two releases we did were EPs. We did an EP in 2013, which is big city blues. And then we did one in 2017 called home is where the heart is. Um, both of those are like five songs. It's funny, you know, it's like, we kind of have some, some long songs. So they're, they're both bordering on right at like, 28 minutes so i kind of joke around about like you know if it was 1964 that would be considered a record you know yep. 
but uh and it got to Vita where it's like one song on one side <laughs> yeah you know basically if we'd have just if we'd have just you know give them the like oh, okay let's jam these songs out for two more minutes each then it would have been a record you know um but but yeah we released another full length in 2019 um which was the long odds and we did that records with our friends uh jordan and brandon we recorded that down in uh just outside of wilmington north carolina at a place called big rude that's 2019 and then our our newest eight tracks was 2021 so you know on, on the long edge of just you know good god almighty is what a great right great way to 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 open the record man i love that tune another really thank great you record. man you know it's funny i got a i got a good buddy justin who has worked with oddly freed some we were talking about oddly earlier and uh and justin said you know i played oddly played oddly your song and he said man that's oh. a slick riff he said man that's a slick riff so i guess i guess i could i can die happy now you know all the free said i wrote a, a slick riff i guess we're My gonna get him on the podcast you, one of these days you, we know a lot of people see, that know oddly your dog you might see a dog, dog tail yeah you might see a dog tail here in a minute hey, dogs, dogs always are, show up in our podcast yeah. we both have them they well you know marcy is, marcy is on the cover actually yeah. Hey girl. Oh, on the she's, long odds. Yeah. She's on the cover of the long odds. Yeah, she yeah, sure I, is. I see her right. I see her right there. I'm looking at the cover of it. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't like an intentional thing or whatever. She just I, I thought it was a cool photo and you know, the 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 long road and everything kind of you know fit the fit the image, you know. But she uh, black lab. She's a boxer lab mix. Boxer lab mix, okay. Yeah, yeah. So one hundred percent spoiled. Is all my friends? Is that like a fiction kind of story, like a typical rock excess, or uh, you, um, not really fiction? Um, so at the time, I was kind of doing this weekly gig at a at a bar in town um, that's no longer there, and I would be playing, you know, um, and it, you know, you would find these you would find these pockets of time where all of a sudden the bar was cleared out. There's nobody in there. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's so-and-so left, you know? And then you're like, five minutes later, you're like, oh, no, wait, there they are. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, wait, so-and-so's not here. Oh, wait, well, there they are. You know, you'd <laughs> see these people kind of drifting in and out, you know, and you eventually kind of put together what's going on, you know? So that's kind of honestly is kind of what that was. It was kind of a take um, on just kind of an observation on, on just hanging out and and what was going on at this kind of weekly thing that I saw um and not necessarily you know just that place but you know it's a it was it's it's a yeah it's it's just kind of what it is it kind of tells its story you know and uh I mean obviously the last one the last verse is fictional I'm not gonna rob a bank you know <laughs> but uh yeah and yeah yeah now nowadays I change it to uh my puppy needs some treats and my band, they need to eat, you know, you gotta, you gotta just to keep them on, keep it on my toes, you know, but, <laughs> so that but yeah, up, yeah. To, up to eight tracks. You want to talk about that? Sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we did eight tracks, uh, at, uh, God, now I'm going to, I'm going to say it wrong. It's, it's Pentaveret studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's from, have you seen, so I married an ax murderer? Yeah. Been a while, but I've seen it. Yeah, Mike Myers is talking. His his the dad character is talking yep. about the five people that that rule the world, and the queen, and all these people. You know, the super Scott accent. Yeah, yeah, and then and the the Pentaverets is what he calls them, and uh, and you know Colonel Sanders is in there. Is he's one of he's one of the five. You know, that's that's secretly ruling the world. 
but they named their studio after that we found out oh hilarious um, but man yeah what a what a cool studio it just it it felt great in there it sounded great in there it looked great you know i mean it checked all the boxes and our buddy jay who played drums with the steelwoods for years and we did i'm i mean we probably did we probably did 15 dates or so with them while jay was playing in the band so he was familiar with our sound and, and kind of knew what we were going for and um and that made things easier you know it was it was a really cool experience and some of the tunes on eight tracks some of them were new tunes some of them were tunes that we had held on to um at like for example big city blues you know that's one that we had had tried to record before and just weren't quite satisfied with how the recording turned out so we saved it for a you know later date and um like hope it ain't that bad was a new one that was written for that record and then you know something like uh don't look now i'm only dreaming on that record that's the first song that schultz and i ever wrote the other guitar player in the band we wrote that i mean shit man at this point 11 years ago okay um but yeah so it's kind of an amalgamation of, of stuff throughout all i guess all all the years the band really so you guys are working on new music now or something's done or what, what's what's a future record coming up or yeah well you know we we went and demoed a few songs we 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 did like a, a three-week tour out to montana um earlier this year it would have been uh into july and into august of, of this year and we stopped in colorado um at a studio that our friend is running and we demoed a few songs and uh yeah i've been i've been already actually the last few days i've been i've been in talks of with some people about trying to get some studio time booked and get some stuff as soon as we can you know as soon as we have time to get in the studio and try to record some new stuff like i've been i've been in studio mode the last few days recording with with my buds so it's been uh it's been on the forefront of my mind. I've been, I've been already sending out text messages and, and trying to get the time frames worked out, you know? Well, before I turn it over to Jason for the lightning round, uh, you mentioned earlier, and I already know the answer to this question, but you got your name from a cry love song. Cause you'd be uh, specific about that. Yeah. So I'll give you, I'll give you the whole backstory, man. I was like, I'm, like I said, I'm the nervous talker. So I'll t- it's a, it's a, it's a long story. It's a long, a long story for a short answer. Um, we started out, we were live wire actually. Okay. Let me take that one step further. The very first gig we ever played, my dad told us that we should call our band hot rod, which, you know, Is that the first was, gig you ever played as this man or you ever, ever played. Um, so the very first gig I ever played, I sat in with my dad's band and played all right now by free. Nice. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. You know, it was cool. And again, it was like a, I was lucky that it was a cool experience. It was like a local charity event that they do every year. And I mean, shoot, man, there's probably a thousand people out there and it's a giant stage. And I got to plug into a half stack with a Les Paul. And like my first experience was doing it right, you know? So that's really cool. But yeah, the second gig I ever played on stage and the first gig with what I would consider Jive Mother Mary. Yeah, we were, we were considered hot rod. And that was uh, that was me and Fluff and Nathan, our bass player at the time when we were a three piece. And for that one gig, my cousin Elizabeth played uh, rhythm guitar. And uh, she since decided that rock and roll was not the lifestyle for her. She's you know, she's a she's a literal rocket scientist. So she she she's probably she probably made the better choice. You can't be a rock star. Rock. Yeah. You know, yeah. rock science, rock, still, rocket still, scientist. Still working in rock. Right. right. Um, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, you know, uh, so we did one gig as a, as a, as a four piece 
And we never, you know, the, the posters were hot rod, but our bassist at the time, Nathan, uh, told the announcer before the show that our band name was Faith by Action. So he, uh, so he told him that, you know, and the guy was like, all right, and Faith by Action. And we're like, <laughs> okay, um, who's, who's that, you know? Um, but quickly we became Livewire um, because I loved the ACDC song Livewire, Livewire and Fluff loved the, uh, the Motley Crue song. Motley Crue, there we go, yeah. yeah. You know? That's, a but, great, um, that's a great song. Man, yeah, it is. It's a lot of energy. Plug me in. I'm alive tonight. You know, uh, <laughs> that first crew album is so punk. It's, um, it's man, really yeah, is. you know, they they're they're one of those those bands that they changed the way things were done after they did it. You know, um, but yeah, so we were briefly live wire, and then we give my dad a hard time because he he had a production company for a while and, and worked with some bands, and he called it Live Wire Productions. So we're like, oh man, you bastard, you stole our name you know so we were but but the problem actually that we ran into like when you when you myspaced live wire at the time there was probably 50 bands called live wire you know and so we were looking for a new name and i love that that uh, second cry of love record um which a lot of people don't get to a lot of people know the first record which is called brother mm -hmm. um and also an absolutely amazing record, but the second record is really what grabbed me. It's called, it's called Diamonds and Debris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, different Rob, lead singer on that album, didn't it? Different, yeah, different Robert singer? Mason. Yeah. Robert yeah. Mason was the singer. Um, a band with two Roberts, Robert Kearns on bass, Robert, Robert Mason on vocals. Um, and uh, Robert Mason, actually, he, he sang for like a couple 80s bands, I think. Mm -hmm. Not not in the 80s, but he sang for like George George Lynch yeah. and he Lynch sang mm -hmm. maybe Warren sang for now. Warrant in there. Yeah, yeah he sings now. for Warrant now, yeah. Um, but you know, his voice fit that stuff really well. It was it was pretty cool because he had a rock voice, but on that second record, um the second record had a lot more texture to it than the first record. I, um and I don't mean that in a bad way, it was just a different, different record. And that that record just man that that in Southern Harmony that that record's called uh, Diamonds and Debris, and dude yeah like I said if you if you guys haven't haven't listened too deeply into that record oh, yeah. the yeah, very I used to have it on cassette <laughs> yeah oh yeah. man empty them both the first riff that you hear him go you can hear him slide up the neck and it's just like at that point I knew what that was you know I was like I was just like all right here it comes you know I knew <laughs> that it was about to just you know just blow my mind but um. They had a song on that record, and the, the song was also called Diamonds and Debris. But uh, he says the line, diamonds buried in my debris. Diamonds buried in my debris. And uh, I thought he said, jive Mother Mary, not diamonds buried. <laughs> um, which, of course, makes no sense. Right. It didn't have to, you know. Um, but, you know, so... I had thought that's what he said. And that was just a phrase that stuck in my mind. Jive mother Mary. Um, and yeah, I suggested it and it made the most sense out of anything that we kind of had at the time. And it had this kind of psychedelic Southern, you know, just this kind of rock and roll kind of feel to it. And, um, and yeah, it stuck. And, you know, I'm really thankful now because it's, it's a pretty unique name. And if it's you Google Jive, if you, if you Google Jive Mother Mary, you know what you're getting, you know? So 
that's a great name. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad you dig it. I'm, like I said, we kind of kind of were lucky that we stumbled into that one and, and we've 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 hung on to it for shoot you know, 13, 13, 14 years now. Right on. Jason, is it that time of the show? It's, well, let's do it before my Internet decides to switch. It like I've got two different networks so switch networks on me. <laughs> Look, don't hey, don't let him fool you, man. He was back there playing that less Paul special. <laughs> <laughs> that are the that are the SG. Oh man, there you go. Hey, look. So, quick guitar aside. Earlier this year, um, I had a friend. I had a. Had, it came in his shop, and he just didn't have time to mess with it. I don't know why he didn't choose to mess with this guitar. It was a 1962 SG, an original 62 SG. Wow. And it's been repainted. It looks like a 70 Shaggin wagon. Um, what? And it's it's had it's it's had a pretty nasty headstock break and all the all the typical stuff, but man, I got just an absolutely incredible deal on a, on a 62 SG earlier this year. I, when, when I get it done, it's going to be, it's going to be one of my main road guitars. Got the original yeah, pickups in that or are they upgrades? It has one patent number in there in the okay. next position. Um, that's the only thing missing from the guitar is the bridge pickup. Okay. Um, and again, like I said, you know, it's had a bad headstock break and all that. It needs, needs some Gibson. TLC. I mean, come on. Yeah, absolutely. And it needs a little TLC, but, but dude, it's a hot rod when I, and when I get it back running, I, I just can't wait, man. It's, uh, and like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of pinstriped. It's got, I call, I'm, I'm going to call it the Bethlehem guitar because it's, it's got this star up in the, in the top corner. It just looks like the star of Bethlehem or something, you know, but, uh, but man. And so, so it was actually painted by a guy named Wayne Jarrett who is a North Carolina guy uh, but painted guitars for like Billy Gibbons and Prince uh, and Alabama used to have a lot of guitars he painted and when we were down in uh, Muscle Shoals two weeks ago at the Alabama Music Hall of Fame I yep. didn't even think twice about it but our bassist Keith he pointed it out uh, on, they have Alabama's tour bus inside the Alabama mm -hmm. Music Hall of Fame <laughs> and in there on, on one of the on one of the couches they have an old Fender Coronado and I don't know it didn't say like you know, it didn't have a plaque or anything but I would bet a hundred dollars that it was painted by the same guy that painted my guitar so it was pretty cool to, to see that you know it's pretty cool to have that that kind of confirmation there I love it love it well get that thing all fixed up and get out there playing on the road with you yeah I'll have to I'll have to send you a photo of it oh please do oh please do I like I like the gear stuff as Brian knows. Yes, indeed. Lightning yeah. round? Yeah. We're doing it? Yeah. All right. All right, Mason. <laughs> I, I, I got to get some water. All right. Get, get some water. Here. All right. On my internet thing. All right. Easy questions. Straightforward, simple. Don't overthink them, okay? Okay. All right. What, did, what is the first album you remember owning? Van Halen 2. Ooh, nice. Favorite track on that? Women in Love. Are you a Dave or Sammy or a Gary guy? Dave, uh, <laughs> Sammy is absolutely great. I think that's their tightest uh, rendition of the band. But Dave is and always will be the front man of Van Halen. And poor Gary Sharon, man. The guy just got a lot of flack and he didn't do anything but try to sing for the greatest rock band ever. You know? And he, so, did, he sang just fine. Nothing, nothing yeah, he did. come on, man. I mean, more than words. Right. Uh, Extreme was pretty badass. I mean, Nudo Bedencourt, like they, that dude can play too. Aside again, I, I know I said, we said quick answers, but you know, that's a record that I remember 
my mom playing in the car when I was young. Uh, was it porno graffiti? I think is what the record's yeah, called. Yeah, the second one. Yeah. Um, I I can remember that, and I remember again not my style of guitar. Get the funk out. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember hearing Nuno Betancourt and being like, "Wow, this dude's pretty damn good," you know. I my exposure to those guys and the lightning round is fun. We can get into random tangents and then as, as we're doing <laughs> okay. right now, but seeing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in the movie theater and like it did towards the end they play um do you want to play you know play with me or whatever and you could hear all the yeah yeah I'm like and I was way into hair metal at that time because I was like maybe eighth grade or something um I'm like who what is this this is great who and I it was extreme and it was off extreme's first album which is pretty darn good as well but yeah another aside there have you seen uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jack Black recreating the more than words yeah. Video. Yeah. it's oh yeah. Uh, yeah talk about a masterpiece there it, they do a good job with it i mean those both those guys could sing oh yeah and, you know it's a black and white and everything they even have the, the bass player who was sitting off to, or the drummer i forget who was who was sitting off it's like reading a magazine yeah. or something yeah. yeah oh my god all right we'll move on <laughs> what's the first show that you've ever played first concert you ever played First concert I ever played, I would have been 12 or 13. I played All Right Now uh, by Free with my dad's band at a local charity event, The Charlie Ride. Nice. So the band was called Peach Brandy. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Peach Brandy. That's a cool name. Peach Brandy Band. That's a good Southern rock name. That is a really good Southern rock name. I like it. Break some merch out. Get some vintage stuff. You you know, my dad always (laughs) jokes about reissuing the shirts. I tell him he'd sell, he'd sell 10 or 15 at least. You, know? like you could do like an Almond Brothers type thing, you know, where they always had the stuff with the peach. You could do like the, the peach brandy, something very similar. Kind of what I think the, they, the one shirt they had, it looked like uh, it was just kind of a classic. It was a little off, not off center, but it wasn't perfectly on axis. And it just looked like a stamp that said peach brandy band, you know, but it's a cool shirt. I'll, yeah. give, I'll give my dad. My dad likes to say he designed it, whether he did or not. I don't know. <laughs> What's the first concert you've ever went to? Um, Kiss actually was my first concert. Really? 1999. I was, that's, that's what got me into really playing music. Maybe 2000. Um, what tour was yeah, that? It would have been the Psycho Circus tour. Was the Psycho Circus? I can't um, remember when that album came out. All right. It was the, it was all, all original lineup, all four mm-hmm. of them. And um, man, freaking a those dudes just they when i was a young kid man that just blew my mind um and to this day i still like it's funny i i have a good buddy who gives me a hard time about being a kiss fan and i made him sit down with me the other week and listen to the whole first kiss record mm-hmm. and he, by the end of it he's like all right i get it you know <laughs> um i like hotter you know, than man, hell i, I think that's their that's not a bad song uh, yeah, hotter than hell. Great record, man. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was about them that grabbed me. Um, I mean, obviously the show side of it, you know, the this the whole makeup and the 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 explosions and the breathing fire and all that. Um, when I was five and six, my mom made me handmade me hand stitched me a Gene Simmons costume, and the next year she made me an Ace Frehley costume. Wow. Um, Man, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could still fit him. I'd wear him on stage. <laughs> or Peter Chris gets no love. Nobody wants to be the cat. Yeah, you know. But hey, what a what a great voice. It's I don't I don't know that anybody else thinks it. I've never heard anybody else say it. 
But I think Peter Chris sounds just like freaking Rod Stewart. Yeah. His voice yeah. sounds, I mean, I man, like if you yeah. listen to um, Hard Luck Woman, I mean, even even the production. And again, you know, I think Kiss gets a hard a hard rap because they were kind of just like people almost view them as like these like comic book characters or these like, oh, let's rock. What are we going to do? Let's come on, Cleveland. <laughs> you know, but like they're, they really, man, they put great songs, dude. And like, if you listen to Hard Luck Woman, that could, it's just Maggie May. Well, there, yeah, yeah I can, I can get that. I never noticed that before, but now you said that, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, that, that's not bad. Paul man, Stanley. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Maggie May obviously was the the bigger hit of the two, but I swear, man, I stand by that statement that you, if you, if they had pushed Hard Luck Woman like Maggie May or something like that got pushed, it'd have been just there's, as big of a. There's head. interviews with Paul Stanley where he said he wrote that song with that in mind, Rod Stewart. You know what? I can hear it a hundred percent. I can hear that. And, uh, and dude, yeah, that first kiss record, like I said, you know, I went back and listened. It's, you know, been in, in, been in the last month. And I think at the end of the day, what it boils down to, what really grabs me about that record is it's two guitars, it's bass and it's drums and it's those guys singing. Right. There's, there's minimal overdubs. You can tell that it's live in a room or at least live with them playing with each other you know and it's 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 no frills there's nothing more or less than what's needed and that's so cool to me and god it's eddie kramer mixed that record i think and dude i'm telling you put that put that record on a on a, a good stereo and it man god it just sounds so good so we're going to say kiss theme stuff because this is very interesting and the people mason will probably be interested in hearing this okay you know and like a, you a side note got a quick side note not as cool but i do think i maybe saw the dixie chicks a little bit before kiss at a dixie county, chicks are great at, at a county fair concert they, they came and did a a uh a uh, a festival that they have every year in our town but i'm gonna say kiss because all right man, oddly played yeah. with the dixie chicks yeah he sure did man yeah you know and everybody in the in that band everybody that's ever played They're legit legit musicians yeah. I mean, Natalie can sing. I mean, come on. She she was doing like metal stuff and rock stuff. But yeah, yeah, for my for my seventh birthday, my dad took me to see Kiss. So what a what a killer show. You can't go wrong there. All right. Favorite Kiss guitarist that's not Ace Freely. Man, oh dude, that's a tough one. Probably Bruce yeah. Hewlett. Okay. Um, not, I got not to- Vinnie Vincent. Come on. Oh man, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I think, and I don't, uh, he, he catches a lot of flack. He's another guy in the kiss lore that catches he just a plays lot a flack. lot. He, he does too much. Like he does, tries to do too many notes. You know, it's, it's funny because our bassist Keith, who is not a kiss fan, he was telling me about this Vinnie Vincent record. And he's like, he's like, dude, he's like, it's the craziest shit I've ever heard. He's like, it's, like, he's like, it's the most, he's like, it's the most notes you have ever heard <laughs> on a guitar. And, and we were like laughing about it. And then I listened to uh, a Carmen, Carmen, a piece, Carmen Apice, however mm-hmm. he says his name. I listened to a podcast with him recently <laughs> and he talks that. about that. He was like, he's like, man, what a great guitarist. He's like, he's, he puts out this record. It's the worst shit you ever heard. You know, it's like, so, you know, I get Keith and Carmen are, are in agreement, I guess, but you know, I, even... I, yeah, I say, I say Bruce Kulik because we, we played with Grand Funk. Oh, a few years back wow. and and bruce kulik plays guitar with grand, uh, grand funk now 
Well, and Bruce he was, was on some good albums and good songs came out during his era. Oh, yeah, man. And his brother also, a, a talented dude, uh, Bob Kulik, incredibly talented guy. Um, but yeah, you know, what? A, he was such a nice guy and also didn't mind me and my buds asking him questions about Kiss, even though he was playing with Grand Funk. Oh, I'm sure, I mean, come on. Probably, I mean, was, it, you know. How do you yeah. not ask him questions about Kiss, really? You got to. All right. So right, I, yeah. On Invasion, that first Benny Vincent album, it is it is insane. The last song is actually Invasion. And you know, the last three minutes of that song are just a like a siren going off. Oh, man. I was, I'll say I'll have to check that out, but I'm not sure I want to. Check it. No, <laughs> I play that for people because they don't believe me. And like, we'll get in a car or go somewhere and I'll, and I'll play that. And they'll be like, what is it? You start laughing and then you get hypnotized by it. And you just sit there, like listen to the siren going off for three minutes straight. And see, look, he got you, man. He he tapped in. <laughs> and then the second album is like this, it's like Slaughter. It's like Mark Slaughter and all those guys. <laughs> and Brian has heard this story before because I don't remember who I told it to, but they those dudes in that band hated Vinnie Vincent and they kicked them out and formed Slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So there you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of that stuff, man. You know, like I said, my dad's introduction to to playing in bands was in the '80s. So bands like Tesla and all that stuff were. Oh, there you go. Always around the house. Right, and I love Tesla. Yeah, Frank Hannon, what a killer guitar player. Mm-hmm. And married a Dickie Betts' daughter. Yeah, you know, I didn't. It's funny because, like, again, things you're like, you're like, I feel bad asking those questions, but we've played some gigs with the Almond Betts band, and I've, oh, I've yeah, met great. Uh, met Dwayne, uh, Dwayne a few times, Dwayne Betts. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd remembered that Frank Hannon was his brother-in-law. I'd uh, eat up and like, I'm like, you guys, are, you know, you know, there's some cool jam sessions on Thanksgiving there. Oh, you know, it has to be. Well, Frank does solo albums. His last one, he did a cover of blue sky. Okay, man. I, yeah. I haven't heard that either. I have to check, but you know, the Tesla record where they did all those covers probably. Yeah. 2007 Real, or eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a cool record that mm-hmm. is. Oh, they did Man, like, I remember, thank you. And oh. what a good, what a good cover of thank you. And another great, speaking of Led Zeppelin covers and eighties bands, have you ever heard the great white album? Yes. Where they do all Zeppelin. So good. What? Dude, it's, I swear to God, Jack Russell is the best Robert Plant I've ever heard. He's got the blue, know? he's a blue, mm-hmm. like that's a bluesy voice, a bluesy style that band does. Even the guitar oh, man. is great. Like on Since I've Been Loving You and oh, it's, it's oh I yeah. Still, well, I still listen to that album. Well, you know, and I think they're one of those bands that like you have like they're one of those bands, I think, that probably were wanted to be a blues band or were very based in blues. And at the time period, they just weren't right allowed by the, the powers that be to do that. I mean, Rock Me, like think about the song Rock Me, you know, Rock Me. Yeah. What a cool, just laid back, you know, blues licks all through. Well, it. Even the cover, even, even Hunter's great uh, Once Been Twice Shy. Yeah, I mean it's just a just a you know basically a, a blues tune, you know, it's just a bunch of bunch of boogie woogie blues, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Jason and I talk about all the time, like them, Tesla, Cinderella, three Cinderella. bands that got mixed in with quote unquote hair that junkyard another one, yeah. They're like to me, like when like Jason mentioned earlier, being huge into metal, most people will say Guns N' Roses is the thing that got them, you know, going in another direction. But to me, it was the first Tesla record that you know, they got me going that direction and eventually the Southern Harmony would come out and that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, those, those bands are like great white and Tesla and Cinderella. 
Blues man, I think they yeah, wrong. I think they did have a huge, a huge hand in like they they were a rung on the ladder that made things like Shake Your Money Maker possible. You know what I mean? Because that kept that blues rock, that roots rock sensibility alive in the eighties. Um and great songs, you know what I oh. mean? And and I'm sure that there was a million bands that fell victim to that, that, you know, that if they didn't, you know, do look a certain way or do a certain thing, they weren't going to keep their contract or get a contract or whatever. And it's, it's cool when you can hear something like that, that, that managed to break through in a time period where it wasn't well received and i think i think that's you know someone like steve ray vaughn that's yeah. totally different than obviously what we were just talking about but i think that's why somebody like him had such a huge impact because it was just it was a tornado that tore through hair metal you know what i mean like nobody was expecting that and he was nothing but true to himself and still managed to make everybody in the room feel small you know, not a lot of blues guys were getting a lot of coverage in the 80s. And C.V. Raymond was one of the few. Absolutely. You know, by the way, if you guys want to know, know more about hair metal, I highly recommend this book. Nothing but a good time. It's an oral history of 80s. <laughs> That's how there I know so much. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, did you write it? <laughs> no. I was like, damn, shameless self-promotion. No, here, no yeah. I'm, it's um, I don't have my glasses on. Uh, forward by Corey Taylor of Slipknot, though. And Tom okay. Vizor and Richard Beanstock wrote it. Like, so, I, I, I read The Dirt by Molly oh, yeah. Crew, and, yeah. and I think that was about the, that was like a, a an owner's manual to the 80s, I think, right there, you know. <laughs> Those guys were beyond anybody else and what anybody I, else was doing. Dude, yeah, you're telling me, man, what a... They lived on their own planet. How, how are while. those four guys still alive right now is what I want to know. Like, there's how is that possible? Sheer will? I don't know, you know. Some are more alive than others. Like, Nikki Six looks great, sounds great. Like, you know, somehow Mick Mars is alive with all his health problems. Tommy Lee's okay, then poor Vince Neal looks just and sounds awful. Yeah, man. You know, funny story about Mick Mars. When I was at MI, there was this um, this woman that – was in a couple of classes with me. Her name was, uh, was Fi. And um, I think she was Swedish, Swedish, Swedish woman. Um, but that, that's not important in the story. But anyway, she was, one day she was in, in class and she's talking about how her boyfriend had a 55 gallon barrel of Jack Daniels with his name branded in the barrel. And I'm like, what? It's like, you know, it just sounds like something crazy you know and then she like casually said that and then like she was saying something you know the next day somebody brings up something about some like crazy vintage guitar or she's like well yeah yeah my boyfriend's got got one of those at the house you know and and um and we were like fine who are you dating and she was like what it's i'm dating mick mars from motley crew you know we were just like <laughs> what you know like, really like yeah, I've been hanging out with this chick for forever. And she just, you know, never bothered to mention that she was dating. And I think they're married now, actually. But he could play yeah. too. And he de- he had a blues background as well. It could d- ripped in some bluesy riffs and some of the Motley Crue stuff. Yeah, man. You know, and he played slide on some yeah, of that stuff. Yeah, he played slide. Yeah, that, man. You know, you know yeah, he was a little, I think he was just a little bit older than those guys and probably yeah. he was like eight you know, years older the, than them. Yeah, you know, by the time the rest of those dudes came around, blues rock was jaded and uncool to them. Yeah, but, he, was, you know, he was playing in bands in L.A. like in the 70s. Like, yeah, yeah. back with like a, when Eddie Van Halen started, you know. Yep. 
All right, we'll delve off the hair metal and back into the speed round. That's why the speed round is fun because you know never know where it's going. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, all right. Um, favorite guitar? Uh, Gibson Les Paul, hands down. Les Paul, standard, trad, what do you got? Classic? Um, man, I, I have too many. I have everything. I have five Les Pauls and then both the SGs that I have, I guess, would technically also be considered Les Pauls. You know, there's that weird yeah. year thing. They're um, originally a Les Paul, yeah. Yeah, but um, I have an R9, a Tobacco Burst R9 mm. that I've had since 2007. Um, and that's that's what I call the burning building guitar. One. That's the, that's the one that if, if the building was on fire, that's the one that I would grab first. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's your, man. It's your string it, height look like. Are you playing like factory setting, high or low, or what are you doing? Man, you know it's funny. I constantly change that stuff, which is not the best. But I'm always fiddling around with that type stuff. I used to play 11s on all my guitars. Yeah, so up a little um, bit, you're a little higher. Yeah, I had I had a little higher action, but kind of over COVID when we weren't playing as much, I started putting tens on my stuff. Um, just because I, you know, like when you, I think adrenaline helps when you're on stage, you know, 11s don't feel as, as, as well, it's stiff. It's harder to bend and stuff though. Yeah. 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 It's much, it's much harder to bend. So when you're, when you're sitting around the house, it feels even more so that way because you don't have that, that stage adrenaline going, you know? So when I was was sitting around the house during COVID and stuff, I started putting tens on my guitar and really, honestly, started trying to work on my touch a little bit more. Mm. Um, you know, not always necessarily digging in so hard all the time. You know, being dynamics is at the end of the day. I think that's what any music is all about. Sure, it's, it's dynamics. That's 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 square one. So, um, but yeah, you know, um, I try to have. I don't like my action slammed because occasionally. I want to pull a slide out right. and, and play. And um, I love slide guitar and I have some guitars that I use more specifically for slide, but at the same time, you know, I like to, if I had to take one guitar and need to play some slide on it, I don't want it to be fretting out or anything, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of go through this, this battle of having my action raised a little bit and it wanting to fight the instrument a little bit. And then I'll go through a week of, dropping the action a little bit lower and then I'll decide that's too low and then I'll raise it back up. I'm, I'm terrible, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm all over the place with that stuff. And well, you start doing from, that, changing your action, string gauge, then you got to start fiddling with the neck and stuff, the truss rod to make sure, you know, just like a car throws everything sort of out of, out of order and you got to go it back It does, through. yeah, absolutely. And I will say that that is something that I love doing. It's like, it's, Tinkering. you know, it's almost like a puzzle. I, man, yeah, you know, I, 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 me and me and my buds are constantly swapping out pickups or pots or all that type stuff just changing you know i mean it's the other half of guitar playing that people it just depends on how much do you want to do you want to nerd out but you know i mean you can take the exact same guitar rig and three different types of guitar picks are going to sound different you know yep. what i mean yeah. so it really just you know it becomes a thing where it's like how much how deep do you want to go down that rabbit hole or whatever and sometimes I just want to pick it up and play. And sometimes I want to, I got to bring a shovel to dig myself out of the rabbit hole because I'm over there. Well, how about this pick? Oh, wait, well, let me, let me try this, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, less ball with just kind of, I would say medium, low action. 
my wife, so speaking of that TV yellow special back there, it's got this standard wraparound bridge. And for Christmas, my wife got me a wraparound bridge with intonation on it. It's it's set intonation. You can't set it yourself, but I'm going to try that to see you because you can't do hardly anything with intonation on it. It doesn't sound bad at all, but yeah, that's man, my what tinkering. A, what a- what a difference that type stuff makes what kind of what kind of bridge is it you know what the company is um oh uh, got it from Stu mac so Stu mac okay cool yeah, yeah cool man yeah dude you know we little stuff like that makes a big difference on those vintage guitars you know um because like all those guitars shipped with wound strings back in the day they weren't yeah. you know it's a whole different thing you know those guitars were designed for like I said, a wound G, which kind of throws off the intonation on a lot of the, the guitars if you put regular strings on it or what we now consider regular strings. But, you know, it's cool that there's all sorts of stuff. That shows me that guitar is still very much alive and well because that's a very specific product mm-hmm. to make. And you can find several of them, different options, you know. So it's cool that stuff like that's still readily available and they're just kind of riffing on something that's a classic design, you know. And I've noticed those wraparound bridges on a lot of Gibson more likely doing more models with them. So a lot more of that vintage style guitar is coming back. I mean, P90s, you got that wraparound bridges. So, dude, I, I like it. A P90 and a wraparound tailpiece <sighs> is is there's something magic about that. I mean, like, you know, I, the, Ch- Charlie, if you just go back and listen to the podcast you guys did with him, he'll tell yep. you all about that. I'm sure, you know, I mean, it's there is just something about that sound. It's like, it's the most true sounding electric guitar. Um, I mean, it's just, and it, I got, it, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but it literally sounds like, it just sounds like a, it's a piece of wood with strings on it. You know what I mean? It's what it's, you can hear everything, be it the wood, you can hear yourself, you know, whatever, whatever. You've got nothing playing. on the guitar that's faking it. You're, you're playing what you're playing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, Gibson really hit, hit the, hit the mark when they found that wraparound bridge and the, and the P nineties and all my Les Pauls, I top wrap any, any of my Gibson oh, guitars, okay. I top wrap. Um, it makes, and it's, I got that from when I was playing 11s. Okay. Um, Cause it makes the strings a little more spongy. Mm-hmm. It kind of, kind of reduces that break angle and, yep. uh, and just adds a little bit of sponginess, I guess you'd say to the, to your bins. But um so, yeah, that's just something I've carried over. I, I top wrap all my Gibsons. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm a big Les Paul guy, too. I've got a um, trad over there on the rack. But I need to get, nice, I need man. To, I need to get a standard. <laughs> that's what I want. Uh, dude, well, you know, those traditionals are killer guitars. They are. They are. Have you it's, ever top wrapped it? I, no, I haven't ta- not top wrapped that. I will, though. Man, I'll give her so- a shot. So try so try slamming the bridge, um, the the tailpiece all the way to the body. Okay. And then wrapping them through and top wrapping. It'll 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 make a difference. It'll. Well, uh, I guess if if you're doing that, because you don't want it that low, because the break angle, the string. But if you're top wrapping, then you don't have to worry about that. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and and again, you know, if you top wrap and your and your tailpiece is too high, then you don't have any break angle, and yep. you got an issue there. Um, but yeah, man, like I can't say that it's. And when I say there's a difference, I don't, I, whether it's better or worse would be up to the individual player, but I definitely, there's a, there's a different thing that happens when you do that. And it's, it's pretty cool. I'll try it all. It is a cost of a set of strings. I got a billion of them. So I'll get, I'll, I'll give her a shot and let you know how it goes. There you go, man. Yeah. Uh, amp, which, what's your go-to amp? Oh man. So if, uh, my, my plug and play, my main amps, uh, Germino, 
uh, lead 55, like a 50 watt lead plexi Marshall style. Um, but dude, like I said, I'm such a gear tinkerer. I have so much gear. It's my weakness, my weakness. If I had to pick a desert Island amp, I have a 63 Brown Fender Princeton. Mm. Um, it's been, well, I have, you got I one have, show, one guitar and one amp for the whole show. What are you choosing? Um, as long as the PA is good, my Les Paul, my R9 and that Brown Princeton. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It's a classic yeah. combo right there, man. Yeah. It's, it sounds like Billy Gibbons. I recorded with it all weekend and it, it's sounds like the first three ZZ top records. Tobacco burst your favorite stain color. Oh dude, man. Um, I want iced tea the, so bad. I want an iced tea one. It's, it's the, it is the color of my favorite Les Paul. I could say that. I can't say <laughs> that, uh, that it's my favorite just because dude, I love them all. I, I mean, I have, so Les Pauls, I have a tobacco burst, a cherry burst. Um, I have a, I have a black beauty. Ooh. Um, I have a junior, a TV white junior. Oh, nice. There we go. And yeah. Then, um, yeah. Yeah. Re, all these are reissued guitars. I want an Ebony that's, Junior. I want an Ebony Junior. Oh, right. man. That'd be cool. Like, like yeah. Uh, Charlie's. Yeah. Like Charlie's. <laughs> yeah. You know, my good buddy, Will, who owns this, this amazing guitar store in town called Low Vintage. He's had a 55 special that he bought off somebody since the store opened up. And it's, it had the, just the worst, ugliest seventies refinish you've ever seen in your life. I mean, just hideous. And, uh, and somebody cut the pit guard down to this like really wild Western shape and engraved yeah. a pot leaf on there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really like, it's just so seventies. It's perfect. But he's, he just sent that guitar off and he's going to get it sprayed ebony like Charlie's oh. uh, it's, man. It's going to be such a sick guitar, but yeah, and I got a, uh, an R8. That's like a, that was a sunburst and now has faded to a, a nice lemon, but dude, yeah, man, I, like I said, I, it's hard to, it's really hard to pick. I love them all. When I get my standard, it is going to be iced tea. So, it, so I made the decision. My main guitar, um, my main guitar, I had picked out an iced tea Les Paul. And I had, I had gone in the store and seen it for a month or more. That was the one I wanted, you know. And, uh, and when I finally got it off the shelves and played it, didn't like it at all. So oh, I went with dud. the tobacco birds that just didn't call to me, you know. Well, you got to do the one that sounds best for you, you know. The, the That's right. Finish is one thing, but man, you got to you got to bond with that guitar. And now I'm in love with the one that I got, you know. So well, you tobacco can't go wrong. Can't I have go wrong. to say tobacco burst, I guess. T tobacco I'll, and cherry are the classic colors. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. My first Gibson was a, a, a sunburst, a cherry sunburst, Les Paul. So a classic. I will say, like the cherry on this SG looks good, but the TV yellow, I, I like the TV yellow a lot too. Man, yeah, I have a, a cherry 62 reissue SG. And then that uh, real 62 I bought this year obviously would have been cherry, but now it's, you know, like I said, it looks like a, a blue 70s shagging wagon or something. But. <laughs> All right. You've got your one guitar, your one amp set up for, for one night. If you could play with any artist or band living or dead for one night, who are you choosing? Oh, man. Leonard Skinner. That's not the first time we've heard Skinner. We've heard a couple of people say that, Brian. There's mm -hmm. just so many guitar options. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There's so many roles you could play in that band. Well, that's my next question. Are you going to sing? Are you going to play guitar or both? What are you going to do? I I would play, I would be Alan Collins, okay. I think. All right. Are um, you going to sing? It, man, I would, you know, I would like to just play guitar, I think. Okay. 
Fair enough. Um, is, is there one song you want to do? You'd have to do? Oh, dude, man, I don't know. Uh, maybe working for MCA. Oh, there you go. Uh, um, Blackberry Smoke did a really good yeah, cover that's that. Yeah, a great version. Oh, man, I've never heard them cover that. Oh, really? I've never yeah. heard them cover that. YouTube as soon as we're done. Yeah. That's your okay, assignment. Okay, cool, man. <laughs> well, you played with Blackberry Smoke. You definitely got to check that out. Yeah, man, I'll have to check that out. They're such, such great dudes, man. All, all those guys are just so nice and just, you know, just it's cool to see they, they're the champions of what we're trying to do, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really cool that they're also just incredibly nice guys and, and, and want just want to bring this type of music to, to the masses, you know, that's, it's really cool to, to see somebody carrying the torch. Oh, for sure. I think, th- I mean, right now, I think they're the best live man out there. Yeah, dude. I'm, oh man. Yes. I mean, I've, I've seen those dudes. I don't even, I don't I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen them, but I've, every time I've ever seen them, I walk away saying that. Exactly Never a bad show. Said. Never a bad no, show. No, man. And and not only that, man, it's just they're, oh, shit, they're, there's nobody that's tighter, you know? There really isn't. Well, they and just have their 20 year the, anniversary. They've got the, the three guitar attack going now, too. They do you with know, Benji. Yeah. Building. And, you know, if I could, if I could sing with one band, if I could front one band to sing, just to sing, if I could pull it off, I would say Aerosmith. Oh. Um, but I, I don't. I'm, I'm no Steven Tyler, so. Well, who is? But what song? I mean, what song are you going to choose if you're going to sing with Aerosmith? Oh man, um, I'm going to say "Woman of the World." Nice. Well, that's a deep cut. Man, yeah, you know we've 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 toyed around with playing that one a few times. You know that one's it's made it in the in its way to rehearsal and then never made its way on stage, but. Definitely respect. one of my favorites. Yeah. Respect on that one. Before Man, uh, yeah. going back to Charlie real quick, before he was he got on the podcast because have you seen do you know what the together stream is? It's two capital G T H R. I've been seeing these. I have not he, been on one of these together streams, but he was on there and then I asked him to be on the podcast. And he said yes, but before that, some other gal was on there and then she brought you guys up, and then Charlie had the nice things to say about you as well brought up your name oh man that's so cool yeah you know i met charlie it kind of in a couple roundabout ways uh we met those blackberry smoke guys we um we used to do these bike these like motorcycle events called um you okay buddy all right we used to do these uh (laughs) got excited down here talking about blackberry smoke um but yeah we used to play these motorcycle events called um easy riders it was they'd do these tours all over the US and uh and they were cool enough. It was kind of where we cut a, our teeth on a lot of stuff. It was like I mean, they were, you know, these kind of like redneck, you know, just these kind of these big events where like you had all these crazy bikers and everything going on and it just like really just walk we'd walk around wide eyed, you know what I mean? Not, you know, just a bunch of kids walking around just like taking it all in, but but that's where we first met the Blackberry guys. They they had played on on some of those gigs for years. And then right before Good One Coming On was when we really started meeting those guys. And they would come on as the headliner for the those Easy Riders rodeos. And that's where we first met those guys. And then very quickly after that, they, you know, they just kind of took off on the plane that they're on and and they're on they're on that track now. And uh I saw, you know, I, I saw them a few times throughout the years. And um, one day, Charlie 
I, I went to see them in concert and Charlie, I guess, saw me out there in the crowd and like shot me a message on Instagram. We followed each other on Instagram. You know, he's like, Hey, I thought I saw you out there. He's like, you know, holler at me next time. And so we kind of just, you know, talked a little bit here and there and, and, um, and he's, he's played Germino amplifiers for years. Um, which was my first, my first of three answers when I gave you, when you asked me my one <laughs> desert Island app, I couldn't decide. Um, but Greg, Greg is such a great guy and God, the best guitar tone you've ever heard and life lessons and funny stories and all that type stuff. And so it's cool that we've, we've, we've kind of crossed paths with, paths with those guys in a couple different ways. And, um, you know, I, I haven't seen those guys in years, man. It's been, been a long time. And, um, you know, we, 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 last time I saw them would have been the Southern rock cruise that we did in 2009, 2020, I guess. No, 2019. I lose the COVID year. Sorry. Yeah. Everybody but, uh, does. Welcome to, yeah, welcome to um, our, I just, somebody just said this to me the other day. Welcome to your junior year of COVID. I'm like, shit, yeah, three, yeah, three years. Man. God, it's, it's insane, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, um, Charlie, Charlie was nice enough to let us open for him and, um, and, you know, has always been supportive of this next wave of Southern rock and, absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just, you know, thankful that he's, he's let us do that and, and thankful that those guys are, are carrying the torch. And like I said, all of them are just so good at what they do and such nice dudes and, you know, from, I mean, shoot, man, they raised, you know, I, I don't even know how much money they raise for charity every year. You know, I mean, it's just, they're kind of a perfect example of what I think the current state of rock and roll is. Um, you know, you don't have bands like the Rolling Stones or Aerosmith or things like that in rock and roll anymore. And you, I mean, you have your bands like Greta Van Fleet and stuff like that that managed to break through and kind of somehow get to this like other thing. Um, but, you know, I think I think the, you know, the kind of the fact of the matter with rock and roll in most cases nowadays is that it's a working man's gig, mm -hmm. you know, and they are really just like the epitome, just like the best example of a band. Doing what we're trying to do that has has done it properly and has found their fan base and and is respectful to what they do and what they want to do and still manages to make it fun and and inviting and everything else like i said i think i think they're kind of the best example of just what hard work looks like man yeah. you know um and it gives me encouragement you know because i mean shit we we've, we've been doing this for 15 years now you know, and it's not always been easy. There's, you know, there's times where it's not easy at all. Um, but it's really cool to see somebody like that, that, you know, I, I, I saw them when they were doing what we were doing, you know, and I mean, you know, maybe, you know, they were probably still, they were probably, you know, a little bit bigger than what we're doing when I first ran into those guys, but it's, it's really cool to see, them on the other side of it and see them not only having success but flourishing in what they're doing and, and really doing it properly and in a good way and they treat i mean they do the stuff for their fans and their fans love them and i think that's about the best business model you can have these days 
Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And, and that's, you know, something that we have really taken to heart with our band is we try to, we try to just be there as much as we can for the fans, as far as like be that online or be it in person Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, we're, we're usually, you know, the guys I I'm, I'm I'm usually the guy with, you know, the bars, the bars shutting down and, trying to trying to trying to get a last word in with everybody because like i said i I like to talk too much you know but i you know that makes you a good podcast guest well thank you man yeah you know because we don't have to try to force stuff out of you like sometimes brian and i have to work it's good when we have guests like you can just talk and we can kind of sit back (laughs) well thank you dude man yeah you know i just like i said i just at the end of the day i'm thankful that people dig what we do and and give us a chance to do it you know and you know, at, at this point in time, you know, our fan base isn't necessarily the biggest in the world, but God, man, you're not going to find any people that are more dedicated. I don't think, you know, and that's just as important really. So. And you have your fan group on Facebook as well too. The Jive, I believe. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's such a cool thing to, to see that. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I figured at first it would just be a lot of my mom posting things, <laughs> you know, oh, that's my son, you know, but, uh, but man, you know, how cool, how cool is it to see, see every day I'll go in there and see people, you know, share their favorite photos or send a love letter to Fluff or whatever. You know? <laughs> how did he get his nickname of Fluff? Man, my stepmom uh, inadvertently nicknamed him so I mean, he has curly hair, you can see, but, you know, when we were like 12 or 13, it was pretty short, you know, it was, it only stuck out about this far. So he had a, a fro, you know, this kind of mini fro and, uh, and she said, you sitting there with your fluffy hair. And so my dad just thought that was hilarious. He was like fluffy, you know, so for about, and at that time, you know, I mean, shit, man, for the, you know, the first few years, me and Fluff knew each other. We were one. We were at one of one or one of each other's houses every day. You know, I mean, we were always hanging out, playing music, just doing whatever. And so uh, it was probably probably a summer a summertime where Fluff was crashing at the house for about a week. And after about a week of being called Fluffy, it finally got shortened to Fluff. <laughs> and then, you know, poor guy. Now here we are. Shoot, I don't know, fifteen, seventeen years later, and he's still Fluff. You know. But it's funny, his, his name's Seth, you know, and like you'll you'll see people they'll like say his name and then they like question it, you know, like it, 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 like it, like it, the ad, immediately after they say it, they're like, is that right? You know, I feel right. Yeah, we we had some buddies that we played with for years, um, some really good friends of ours, and man, we played with them for like three years, and then one day we're at we're at this bar, we both shared a gig, and and the uh, the guitar player in the other band says. He's like, hey, hey, come here, man. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Sean. And we're all like looking around, you know. Turns out they thought Fluff's name was Sean. They thought they realized his name was Seth. They thought it was Sean, you know. So I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking it's hilarious, you know, and I go run up to the bass player and I said, I said, I said, man, I said, look, they said they uh, they didn't know that they didn't know Fluff's name over here. And the guy goes, it's Sean. You know, he, he also, the bass player of the band also thought his name was Sean, you know, so. But yeah, that's how he got his name. I'm the only one in the nickname in, in the band that doesn't have a nickname, I guess. At least I don't I don't hear it in in, in uh 
Didn't and mixed your company, face. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Schultz. I mean, Schultz's nickname is his last name. He's he's Tyler Schultz, but uh, the Tyler Schultz. Um, and uh, and Keith, his Keith's name is is Doug. Uh, Douglas Keith Ingles. We call him Uncle Doug, you know, or we used to call him Doug. He doesn't drink anymore, but we used to call him Doug Wiser. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty good yeah oh man that's when you when you when you spend a lot of time in the van you have a lot of nicknames right. you also you also sing a lot of songs with other lyrics you know that would be an Aerosmith song on the radio and I'm just making up lyrics about <laughs> what's what's around me or whatever I'm you know I'm guilty of doing all that you can create a brand new that song stuff. that way you know hey you never know well you know I mean that's that's kind of how we wrote the Burger King song on the last record. We were in Flora, Illinois. Oh yeah, yeah. Talked about. Yeah, I wondered about that. Well, somebody, somebody. I don't know if we were talking about Robert Earl Keen or what. How we got on the subject of of that. We were pulling through Flora, Illinois. And it's a town that we play often, and a really man, such a a cool town. They 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 love us there, and they treat us so well. And uh, and Dustin and Kathy, the people that gave me the Black Crows tickets I was talking about earlier, they own a venue there in Florida that we play. And um, and yeah, we pulled into town, and the only thing—it's a tiny town, man—and the only thing there at the, that we saw was a Burger King and a Taco Bell and a Dairy Queen, you know. So well, Dairy Queen's we, in, in that song too. Yeah, yeah. So we were kind of joking around, you know. I was just singing it like a uh, Robert O'Keen or Bob Dylan at, at Soundcheck. We the whole weekend we kept going. They got a Burger King right next to the Dairy Queen. Yep, there you go. You know? yep. And um, and so we it started as a joke, and then by the <laughs> and then by the by the end of uh, by the end of you know that weekend, I basically had a verse written and a and a a chorus written you know and so at that point it's like well shit okay there's not much left to make it a song you know but, it's a good so song it's catchy well yeah you know and it's that's how stuff works man you know it's like you know yesterday by the beatles it was scrambled eggs scrambled eggs all i've had to eat is scrambled eggs that's how he wrote it you know at, at breakfast one morning so but he had when the you take that, yeah yeah when you take that into account you know i mean Anything can become anything, you know. The melody, not the harmony. The melody. I have harmony. a follow-up question about that song because oh, yeah. I've heard from everybody. What about the Waffle House? Now, isn't the Waffle House not a staple of rock and roll musicians' nutrition? Man, look, are you going to have a Waffle, a Waffle House song? <laughs> it's not a Waffle House. It's a Waffle Home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and we—I've joked around about it. It's funny that you say that because I swear, after we recorded it, I was like, man that third verse needs a Waffle House thing because, um, you know, Waffle House, you can get your hash browns smothered, covered, chunked, chopped. And that's just, do you want chili, jalapenos, onions, you know, all this stuff. So we were talking about double hash browns covered on the side, you know, I mean, just, it's a million different things you could put in there, but, but you're absolutely right. Waffle House is a, uh, is a rock and roll staple. Charlie, tell us how to order. Somebody told us how to order something in a Waffle House. Like, I can't remember who it was. Brian, do you I remember? Don't remember. No, I don't remember. All, all you need, uh, all-star special. Yeah, all-star smothered. All-star special, hash browns grits. covered, smothered, smothered got, covered, man. I got to get the grits with that all-star special. Have to go grits. We, get, we give Schultz a hard time because – I'm telling you, the man's the man's Waffle House order is daunting to say the least. It's a dinner plate about this big, you know, and it's just piled with hash browns. There's chili, 
there's jalapenos, oh. there's shredded cheese, you know, it's just, and you yeah. let him get back into a van with you and drive hundreds uh, of miles. We usually make him, we usually make him run behind after time <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> to the top. Yeah. But no, man. Yeah. I, I, I guess, uh, I guess you guys, yeah. Where you guys are based, there are no waffle houses. Oh no, I'm there. in Ohio. There's a ton of waffle yeah. houses. Oh, there are some waffle houses. Oh yeah. Okay. All over. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, this, I was, yeah oh, I was gonna say, there's I, one yeah, in my I'm, hometown. I'm, I live in Marysville, I, Ohio, outside of Columbus. There's one right here. Like I should be hip to where all the Waffle Houses are. I should know. I will say the only bad Waffle House experience I've ever had was in Delaware. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, I couldn't tell you what town or where well, we were playing. What was so whatever, bad about it? Uh, I, I think I got food poisoning. I think, um, I, you know, I will, we were talking about Athens, Georgia earlier. I will say that the Waffle House in Athens, Georgia was quite a savings grace, saving grace um many many a nights playing at nowhere bar and and had a few beers and, and walking across the street to the waffle house there you know <laughs> they they even stamped your waffles there it says athens in the middle of your waffle wow. house. you know fancy waffle house the guy that's the drummer in my band his one of his friends who was his friend high school his senior year of high school this guy went to waffle house for 365 straight days and got at least a cup of coffee Oh man, that's that's awesome. That's a record there. I told him that she got guy should have written a book about his experiences or had an online blog or something at that time. I'm like, oh man, yeah. Well, you know, FEMA uses a thing they call the Waffle House scale. Uh, scale. I've heard um, about you know, that. Yeah, you know, Waffle Houses. Their their whole thing is they don't shut down even during nas- natural disasters, hurricanes, whatever. They just they don't shut down unless they absolutely have to. I think all their stores are powered by. Um, they have backup systems with like gas generators and stuff like that. They can run with no power. Um, and supposedly you, if you I, worked at Waffle House and had to come in like during a hurricane. <laughs> well, you know, you know, man, they, you know, I, it's funny because like, shoot, they stand by it. I guess as a company, I can remember a thing. Um, it was one of the bad hurricanes that's happened. Maybe it was right before COVID, but they, I swear they stuck by the word. They were sending out higher up they were sending out managements and people people that were higher up in the waffle house and they were sending these people out to their uh their businesses and having them help run it you know so i guess you know good on the waffle house i I, I can say i can sing the waffle house praises all day i have one last lightning round question the lightning round's been as long as a regular i know man i'm sorry (laughs) no no that's we we like the lightning round because of you never know what's going to happen it's fun um Nick, give us a song or an artist that we'd be surprised to hear that you liked. Oh man. Um this is telling on yourself a little bit. Let's see. Okay, oh like a like a guilty pleasure. Yes. I used to call oh, it guilty pleasure. Man. People are like, well, if I like it, it's not a guilty pleasure. Yeah, so, oh no, shoot. Um oh man. Uh <laughs> uh, how about a category christmas music that's one that uh you know i've i've been torturing everybody this modern week. christmas know. music classic classic <laughs> christmas music. no I, I i'm not gonna i gotta say guilt i, I don't love the song when it's a guilty pleasure because i love torturing people with it have you heard the christmas shoes yeah oh god <laughs> Stir, yeah, I want or, oh man i just yeah. I, just, <laughs> I think they I made just, a hallmark <laughs> movie about that from that song <laughs> you know god what a sad song man no but that, <laughs> i don't want to say it's a guilty pleasure because i obviously it's not something that i put on in july but i've i've been i've been guilty of t- of torturing people with pleasure with that song for the last few weeks um 
but now nah, man i don't know you know i like um shoot man that's a tough question uh again yeah it's strange because i'm like oh is it a guilty pleasure if i like it i don't know but uh well you know you're you're a veteran of the southern rock circuit like you might like pop music you're like hey i'm a big Bobby brown yeah, fan yeah, i mean i love pop music i love um i love a lot of like frank sinatra and stuff like that you know stuff that uh i that would be something i guess that people would say would be surprised you know that i like a lot of 50s or 40s or crooner or, crooner music yeah or crooner music or big band jazz and yeah. stuff like that that's not something that you would necessarily hear in our music influences so that might be something that i guess would maybe would surprise people um but yeah um you know Anything off the first Shania Twain record? How about that? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, girls. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what, Mason? That don't impress me much. Hey, hey look, I see what you did there. Look, hey, you got the moves, man, but have you got the touch? Um, no, you know, my mom likes to tell a story about I, when I was like three or four years old, I said that Shania Twain was hot. And yeah. she, and You're she, right. And she asked me what I thought that meant. And I said that she smiled a lot and she wore open toed shoes. So I don't, I don't, I, I guess I wasn't hard to impress when I was three or four. You know, but. <laughs> well, we will take it. Mason, thank you so much for being on here. Where do we go to find out more about Jive Mother Mary? We got a nice website, jivemothermary.com. Like, where should we go to see where you're at, buy your stuff? Man, you can go to the website, uh, Facebook instagram all that stuff um if you go to the website there's links to all that we're on spotify we're on apple music anywhere you stream music we should be amazon music because i was listening to you guys tonight yeah absolutely yeah man um basically anywhere you get your music we should be there and um yeah come out to a live show too um that's the best place to see it i could tell you i think um you know we're we're 100 a live band um you know, it just kind of takes on this whole other element when we play live and and we just try to have as much energy as we can and just have a good time and encourage other people to have a good time you, while we're playing. So. You guys ever come up to Minneapolis, that area at all? How far north? How far do we um, go to see you guys? Well, man, you know, we come we come to Illinois quite often and um, we were got to come to Ohio, be, man. Ohio. Dude, I swear we I swear we try. Um I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of our booking. I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of the, the, the kind of man Woodlands behind the Tavern. For a lot of Woodlands stuff. Tavern in Columbus. Uh, them dirty roses play there all the time. Woodlands, Woodlands Tavern. I've, I've seen, I've seen that place circulate in the, mm-hmm. the, the Facebook. So yeah, I'll reach out to him, man. And Brian, you know, like I said, we will get up there sometime soon. We were supposed to go up there with Otis last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a tour planned and obviously all that got canceled because of the COVID stuff, yep. but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we get up, you know, we get up that way, you know, so, sometimes. So not so, during uh, the winter. Yeah. Don't yeah. Do we'll it be, in we'll the winter time. Hopefully before we see you guys. <laughs> Dude, You're yeah, you know, seven absolutely. And six feet yeah. of snow that Brian sent a picture of earlier. <laughs> Man, you know, it's, it's 70 degrees here today. So I, it was I can't 55 fly. here. I was outside in shorts, like taking Christmas lights down today. Yeah, you know, they say if you don't like North Carolina weather, just wait an hour, you know. Same, same thing about Ohio. It's it's freaking nuts, you know. What you know, I don't have minus seven and six feet of snow like Brian does, so I'll take it. <laughs> oh, dude, man, Brian. Yeah, at least, hey, at least you got some good records to keep you company, right? Oh, for sure. It's what gets me through man. it. 
Dude, yeah, six feet of snow. Bless you, buddy. That's <laughs> well, I don't know how much snow. You guys had like a blizzard. How much did you get? It's not, well, I don't know. I mean, when you see them uh, clear all the parking lots, there's mountains of snow everywhere. So if I was a little kid, I'd be in heaven to be sledding down that stuff. Building igloos I, and forts? Yeah. Probably more snow than I've got the last three or four years here in North Carolina. <laughs> uh, you can bet on it. But Mason, thanks so much for being on. Buy their new album, Eight Tracks. It's a great album. If you love Dairy Queen and Burger King, this is the album for you. Check them out on Facebook. Check them, check them out at their website. Go see them on tour. Brian, off to you. Well, to the listeners, uh, I want to say thank you very much to Jason for two, well, to Jason as well, I guess. But uh, Jason, I'm Mason, tonight. very much thanks to Mason Keck from Jive Mother Mary. Thank you for joining us. This has been just an awesome chat with you, man. Appreciate it so much. Man, thank you guys so much for having me, man. It's been a blast. We just got talking, uh, got done talking with the dude. Um, God, just what a great <laughs> chat. It's all over the place. You guys went deep on the on the tech talk with the wraparound. Oh, the bridge, wraparound yeah. bridge on the, the tailpiece on the, um, on the, yeah. yeah. So back in the old days of Gibson and Les Pauls, they used to have um, a singular piece. Like you didn't see uh, the adjustable bridge and then you had a stop bar tailpiece on it. It used to just be the tailpiece and it would wrap the strings would wrap around the tailpiece. So that special I got, Gibson special a couple of years ago, they did the whole 50 style thing with that wraparound tailpiece. Now, when you have that, there's no intonation, you know, to adjust the strings forward or back to make sure it's like, you know, the notes perfectly intonated. Mm-hmm. But, um, so what my wife got me, I'm going into more details, is something where they actually has, it's not adjustable, but there's, there's the actual slots on the bar. Sorry, I hope you said I kind of hold it and stagger it just enough to help with the intonation. Cause really all you can do is take the posts and, and push, push one in out further or closer. And then you sort of get the E strings, you know, sort of, you got to just be happy with general in the area of, of intonated correctly. This gets you a little closer to actual right on intonation. Well, this is good here because like, we're just like, kind of like uh, continuing that conversation <laughs> in the in the outro here so like i'm always kind of amazed because i'm not mechanically inclined but like you guys are talking about like changing pickups and bridges and yeah. stuff is that you can do all that yeah uh i i mean a lot of people can do stuff pretty those are relatively easy like if you ever soldered a couple you know wire joints or something together you can change pickups pretty easy mm-hmm. um changing a nut can be a little more challenging because sometimes you have to dig it out i mean it's always glued in or whatever luckily on that kramer i have it's a beat em up it popped out pretty easy and then i got the other one in pretty easy but mm. any like highly skilled work i have a guy that lives close to me that does work on guitars and i will mm. give it to him but i'm also challenging myself to do more things on my own so see when i read uh, reviews you know about basses like on guitar center musician's friend which is like the same thing i think but um Guys are always like talking, like yeah. When I, when I change the strings and the pickups on that and, and the bridge, it'll be just like a great, you know. And then they're talking about it with like you know eight hundred dollar fenders and stuff. It's like yeah, you know. I mean, so here's you know, I talked to a local luthier that said that you know, for a bass, I guess changing the bridge doesn't make a huge difference on your tone does it for a guitar is like is that absolutely noticeably different it it can i mean they're made out of different materials right and different quality materials so that can definitely have an impact on on the sound of the tone or even um 
uh, even some of the sustain that you may have too, right? By, by changing things around. Like I've got this American special uh, Telecaster behind me. It's got three brass saddle uh, strings on it. And then each brass saddle fits two strings. So the brass makes a really nice sound to it. But okay. again, because you got two strings per saddle, you can't get a perfect intonation with it. Now I could change it out, put a six saddle chrome or something else to it. It'll sing, change the sound the sustain and then i can intonate a little bit better so yeah i mean it, it can um working on a guitars or basses though there's a lot of moving parts so you can adjust uh, pickups up or down like closer right. to the strings you can uh you know obviously change the neck go work on the neck to make it a little bit more curve or a little bit less curve in there you can raise and lower string heights and there's a lot of stuff you can do to tweak it around to to kind of change the sound a little bit and like everybody's different too so how i like the guitar setup is going to be a little bit different than somebody else, perhaps, too, because you heard Mason would raise his strings up to fight it a little bit more and put a heavier gauge string on there. Um, I like to usually leave it close to factory setting or a little bit lower, but I use 10 gauge strings on, you know, tens on it. So kind of sounds just like he, me. he tinkers with his guitar a lot. He says, oh, oh yeah. He stuff. tinkers way more than me. And, you know, I'll go to YouTube and all these places to look kind of what you can do for these different types of, and thank God for YouTube. Cause there's everything you'd possible figure out in life on YouTube. So that's helped me. Cause I'm not really had anybody teach me how to maintain stuff, whether it's just a general setup or the, the stuff I'm doing now, but I watch videos. And it was cool. Like kind of getting into a deeper, deeper conversation about kiss. Cause he's got, yeah. <laughs> picture is him dressed up like ace fraley well that, that's always the fun thing right of, of these conversations and all of a sudden we got into a very kiss centric a discussion and you know benny vincent comes up again and now <laughs> these other people <laughs> that probably went a bit far but it, it no, did, i mean but, you know you got to have the deep cuts the first two kiss records are good man i'm just saying it kiss has good songs they, yeah. they do even like on like i always liked um uh, crazy nights and then um you know there's there's a handful of songs later on and in, in their career that i liked listen to nothing to lose nothing to lose off the first record kind of has almost kind of a southern kind of feel to it and then let me go rock and roll off hotter than hell is almost kind of as a bluesy kind of uh you know almost chuck berry-ish kind of thing going on so a uh, first cassette i ever bought myself myself was a kiss and i think it was maybe kiss three i remember i was looking i was in the store it's probably camelot music in a mall i think mm -hmm. um and it was there was guns and roses and there was like kiss and i think it was kiss three and now i cannot remember it's terrible and i'm like well you know i've heard about guns and roses but i know kiss is a big deal and i bought the kiss album and i realized soon after that i should have bought guns and roses <laughs> what do you what do you say kiss three I think it was Kiss Three. I can't remember what the name I don't of think it. There's it a Kiss was. Three. Is there, no, I mean the third record is Dressed to Kill. It wasn't Dressed to Kill. Um, it was a. It had to be 1987 or 88 because oh. Appetite came out in 87. Oh, okay. And uh, hold on, I'm going to tell you yeah, what I, I think it like was. I'm, I'm looking nights. at them right. <laughs> it's you know what I am not sure. Um, there's a live too, wasn't that? No, it wasn't that one because I do remember a friend getting me that one year for Christmas. Um, boy, oh boy, complete Kiss albums and singles chart. Well, how can you not find just the the cold list of Kiss albums in order? Do I have to go to Wikipedia? Well, anything later '80s is gonna be uh, uh, Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, and then Revenge. I, I hold on. I think it was Crazy Nights. Now, now that you said that again, it, yep, it was Crazy Nights, not Kiss Three. There you go. 
I don't know what it's called. I bought it. I should have bought Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> but the song Crazy Crazy Nights is good. I like that song. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, hey, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's a product of the time. Hair, you know, hair metal cheese was in, and that song fits in perfectly with hair metal cheese. Like we say, if you like it, it's not a guilty pleasure. Exactly. Now, the rest of the album I didn't enjoy by any means. And that's why I'm like, I should have bought Guns N' Roses in. Again, I got more into bluesy rock and I like bluesy rock better because I had always already liked Aerosmith and Zeppelin and things of that nature. Um, but anyways, kiss we got we got off on the kiss tangent again. We're gonna Guitars kiss. and kiss. What else did we talk about? <laughs> I, we talked a lot about a great artist from North Carolina, right? Uh, different people that, that we know come from that scene, which was mm-hmm. kind of interesting um, to figure out because I didn't know a lot of those guys were North Carolinans. And I remember he brought up James Taylor and I had forgotten James Taylor was from North Carolina, mm-hmm. but I remember that when he said that. And he also has a Carolina on my mind song, I believe, which is one of his big hits, right? Yeah. And I can hear that in Jive Mother Mary. I can hear that influence. Yeah. Yeah. You, they got a little bit of um, a folk, um, folk alternative countryness to them on some of the songs. Right. Right. Well, you know what? Um, We just want to say Happy New Year to everybody. And we got a lot more great stuff coming up in the future. So until then, always remember Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Here's a new one of ours. This one's called Big City Blues. It goes a little bit like this. It won't ever 